Wow, bless the Lord. Everybody doing okay? It's going to be a great day. The, uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited. There's a bunch of things that are going on right now that are uh, um, kind of culminating, I guess, would be the right word. Uh, but feeling uh, pretty good. We're coming. We got just a couple more weeks of school left. Um, it's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's kind of neat just talking with different people about how, how the school has affected your, I'm going to say perspective, because I think that's probably the best word. Um, and I, you know my heart, for those of you that know me pretty well, know I believe everything's about perspective. It's the way we see life. It's the way we do things. And when we see life from the right perspective, everything looks, uh, looks different. But oftentimes our perspective is skewed, it's changed by uh, surroundings, environment, what's going on around us, uh, circumstances, and we allow things to kind of mess with that. And you know what it really does? It affects our attitude. Who's ever read Chuck Swindoll's little thing? It talks about attitude versus altitude. You know, your attitude determines your altitude. Um, your right attitude, you soar higher. Your bad attitude, you soar lower, you know. But there's a phrase in there that I've lived with for a long time, and I, I really love it. It says, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And I think that's a very powerful statement. Life is 10% of what happens to me, 90% how I react to it. And, and that's what I believe. Uh, I, I honestly believe that's what the school's doing. I believe that's what, what, what some of the classes you've been having are doing is changing the way I react to what happens to me. Because if I see it different, I'm going to respond different. I'll never respond to anything differently if I don't see it differently. So then I'll keep doing what I used to do. And how would anything ever change? Because there's an old phrase that says, if I always do what I always did, I'll always get what I always got. You know, If I don't do anything differently, I can't expect a different result. Everybody's right with that, right? So a lot of it's our attitude. A lot of it's our, uh, I guess that's. That's a pretty tough word, attitude, because when we say attitude, a lot of times it has a negative connotation to it. But frankly, attitude can be great. Yeah, who, who do you know that has a great attitude? Like there are some people that just have a good attitude about life, you know what I mean? And it's just pretty cool. Um, the, uh, uh, there are some of us out there that have, uh, they've always seen the glass half full. It's never half empty. It's always half full, you know. Eternal optimist. I, I live in that arena. I'm an optimist. I, I tell people, you know, I've got rose-colored glasses, and if you break these, it's okay. I've got a thousand more pair in a closet. I'll put another pair on. I, I live there. That's, that's real life for me. But there's a place where uh, attitude, I, I just think attitude really makes the difference, and that's a place that we have to respond from is maintaining the right attitude, seeing things from the right perspective. Um, we've talked a lot in class about just maintaining a God's eye view. You know, seeing things from his perspective uh, rather than through life. Uh, why don't you think for just a minute of the greatest challenge in your life? What's been the greatest challenge in your life? You know, you can go back through your life. And, and then I want to tell you something that's real important. The greatest challenge in your life doesn't define who you are. Amen. Do you understand that? Yeah, thank God. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't define who you are. Um, oftentimes we've tried to allow our identity to 
be based out of what we've been through. And your identity isn't about what you've been through. As a matter of fact, I've got to tell you something. There's a, there's a phrase that burns in my heart and that stayed with me for several years. It was from a little old lady in Florida that preached. Her name was Iverna Tompkins, but she said, Go back and kiss the stones that bloodied your feet because they made you who you are today. And, and I, I think that that's an incredibly powerful statement. Go back and kiss the stones that bloodied your feet. They made you who you are today. If it wasn't for some of those stones, where would we, you know, um, maybe we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are today, you know. Um, You've got to determine what those stones are going to do to you. I grew up as a child, 10 years old. My dad ran off with his secretary. So my dad runs off with his secretary, and, and I listen to my mother cry herself to sleep. You could be the child that feels, deals with abandonment issues and all the things, and so, sociologists would tell you it's the right thing, and, you know, you have a right to feel this way and everything. Or you can purpose in your heart. Watch this. I purposed in my heart from that, that when I got married, it was going to be till death do us part because I was never going to put my kids through what I went through. Make sense? Oh, and how you look at it. Follow what I just said? So I just purposed in my heart, I'm married to Pastor Lori till death do us part. She messes up, I'll kill her. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay, but, but, but till death do us part. No. And, and of course, that's not true. But, but, but there's, a, there's a place where you purpose in your heart, you know, and you come through because, because the things that you went through have made you stronger. I went to uh, New Life for Girls. Some of you are familiar with a ministry called New Life for Girls. And I've been preaching over there for quite a while. I do a, do a lot of mentoring classes there with their staff now. But when I was doing chapel services with the girls, um, probably the first, it was the very first time I went there. And I had no idea what it really looked like. And nobody told me there was a time limit. I didn't know there was a time limit. And oh my goodness, did we have church. Oh my. It was fun. They just cut me loose to preach. So I just preached like a wild man. But I can remember what I preached. And I preached a, a message. I called it Unlabeled. And it was talking about tearing off the labels that everybody else has tried to put on you. You know, because the world will label you. They want to label you. They want to define who you are, put labels on you. And most of them, can, can I, come on, if you're, in a, if you're in a drug and alcohol recovery place, you've been labeled by society. You've been labeled by your family. You've been labeled by your friends. And you're wearing those labels. You've, like, that, it's almost made your identity. So I remember, oh, my gosh, we preached. had an amazing time. Some people got delivered from a whole bunch of stuff. We had a blast. But they were done at like 12, 15 or something like that. I can't remember the time. Anyway. It was after 2 o'clock. We <laughs> people were laying all over the church on the floor. God was just moving. It was so fun. And the dean comes to me. It wasn't Irene. It was another girl. And I didn't know her at the time. But anyway, she uh, comes to me. She said, now, Pastor, we do have time limits. I said, nobody told me. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm sorry. I didn't know. I said, you're going to have to take it up with the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, in the process of that, what I guess what I was trying to share was that we can't allow the stuff that we go through to define us or to label us or to or to 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 have to have a voice in our head right and that's probably one of the greatest challenges is keeping that voice out of our head because how many know there are other voices out there we're going to study some of that today we're going to talk about john chapter 10 we're going to look at some things but in the process of that there's a lot of voices out there that are trying to vie for our attention uh, to use the word label us is probably the best way i can define that but there's a lot of stuff out there that would try to mark you right 
as to this is who you are. And you have to purpose in your own heart that you're the, that this voice is going to define you Amen. and label who you are. And, and even though there's other things out there that might be chattering in my ear, I refuse to listen to that because this has the loudest voice. Y'all follow what I just said? There's something to that that we've just got to embrace. And if I fail to embrace that, I will be challenged for my whole life. You have to purpose in your heart. What's, what's the voice that's going to define you? What's the, what's the source? If I embrace this, can I say this? It'll show in my attitude. It will show in my attitude. And, and that has to, well, we talked a little bit about, well, just a few minutes ago about your attitude determines your altitude. How high you go, what's your perspective? I get amazed by this, and this is just a small thing, but watch this, and I don't, to say it the right way, if I stand here and we can share, I see you a certain way. But if I go up, there's four steps. You can't believe the different perspective I have from here. Do you understand what I do? Everything looks so different from right here. It's only a few feet. But everything from here takes on such a different perspective than it does from right here. It's, I mean, it's almost like it messes with my head. That's that amazing to me. But that's one of the things that comes to mind over and over is that I believe God's calling us to a higher place to have a different perspective. God's bringing us to a higher place to have a different perspective. If I was to ask you, because we've been in here about 10, maybe 10 and a half weeks, I guess this is, this is probably the middle of the 11th week if we're doing 13 weeks, because I think there's two more weeks left. So if I was to ask you, has your perspective really changed over the last 10 weeks? I would think for most of you, it's a resounding absolutely. You know, it would be, a, yeah, it has to change. You know what I mean? Can I, from a pastor's heart, really talk to you and tell you this? This is the greatest cry I have in my heart is that six months from now, that's still the answer. That we don't, watch this, because we can go through a summer intensive course, you know what I mean, 13 weeks of just really intense teaching, training, pouring in. But six months from now, will we have reverted back to where we were because we saw that as normal and what you're catching now is, come on, it's outside the box. It's what, you know what I mean? You've got a, you've got a purpose in your own heart. I'm going to hold on to this thing. I, I'm not going to allow life to go back. I hope you're all catching what I'm saying because that's so important. Whether well, it's people that's on the internet because how many know, even the stuff that do you realize the challenge of people who are working every day? I know you guys, immense challenge to be able to come and be here and sit in a class for 13 weeks. And you've changed schedules and life and everything, miles of driving, all kinds of different things to be here, get the whole summer. You know what I mean? And I so admire what you've done. That speaks volumes to my heart. But even the people that are watching on the internet, you realize they're going to work in the morning. They got life. They got kids. They got soccer. They got all the stuff going on. Yet they're trying to get home and get a couple of hours in on. on, on I, I admire what they're doing. I think that's amazing as well. You know what I mean? And, and can I say this? This for you guys. Just I got a phone call yesterday in the office. I was the last one out, so the phone was ringing. I picked it up. It was from an outside area code, and it was the guy wanting to know. Could we do the video school still? 
Is it too late to sign up? And I said, well, we're going to do another one in the fall, but if you wanted the summer one, it'll be on, video on demand will be until January 1st, and you could do that. He's like, oh, man, how do I sign up? I'm thinking, wow, that's intense because here we are at the very end and people are still signing up. And I'm like, I'll take your money. No, never mind. Okay. <laughs> but but, but, but it's, a, it's somebody who wants, can I say this? There's such a hunger out there for truth. It's nothing to do with money. And I hope you guys know that. But because but if it was money, you wouldn't have got in for your price. But okay, because but, 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 that's where my heart's at. It's just about sharing truth. But here's the deal. There's a hunger out there and people are desiring. The thing is, is that when we get it, we have to purpose, what are we going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Can you imagine buying, I don't know, $125,000 Jaguar to just sit in a driveway? Because to me, I think that's crazy. There's people to do that. I just put them in a list called crazy. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? But, but because if you have it, you're going to want to drive it. You're going to want to do something with it. It's the same thing. Everything that's been poured into you, do something with it. What do you, you've got a purpose in your heart. How's this going to change? Watch this. How's this going to change my February next year? Do you understand that? Everything that I look at, I ought to be seeing now through a different perspective. Most of you that have been around with me know I talk this all the time. I've got to see life through a different lens. Because if I don't see it through a different lens, nothing's going to change for me. So it can't be a temporary lens. It can't just be that, boy, we had a great summer. It has to change the way I'm going to do life. You okay with that? That's really, really huge. So there's a lot of voices out there that are vying for your attention. There's a lot of things out there that are going to be pulling on your heart. And you have to ask yourself the question is, how am I going to respond to that? How will I know the voice of God? Um, go ahead, Sharon. Um, hang on just a second. We'll... Good. Um, I, I wanted to catch you before you moved on because several times you have mentioned a mentoring class. Right. Is that, who's that available to? Well, it's for leadership in the local church here. I, I, do, I do two classes here and then one over at New Life for Girls. Okay. I okay. just wondered if there was something that we could take advantage of to keep us moving on. Okay. Um, let's see where we get with that. That might be a possibility. Um, it is something that I've been, I've been dealing with, and we have extended some. Um, if, if there's an interest, uh, I, I would be glad to sit and talk with people, okay? All right. Um, in the process, let me take you to a couple steps further. That uh, what, I, what I'm dealing with and what's, where my heart's at in that is there are some things that I have, uh, I have found myself as in, in pastoring for quite a few years and been in ministry a little longer than pastoring, but... Probably the, the best way to say that is you're praying over something. And watch this. When we're emotionally attached to what we're praying to. Y'all follow what I'm saying? You're praying about something that's dealing with some stuff. God, I just need to hear your voice. And then you feel like you're getting direction. Who's done it? God, is that you? Is that you? You know, God, is that you? And then, then we do this, oh, is that you, me, or the devil? You know, and we get, we get into all those conversations with our own head. You know what I mean? Come on, you've been there. You know what I mean? But the truth of the matter is it's discerning that. Um, I, I subscribe to a, an email thing. It's called the Elijah List. There's some good stuff on there. Um, I will tell you, please hear this the right way. I, I live in the world of eat the chicken, throw away the bones. Okay? And, and if you can't discern between chicken and bones, be careful what you subscribe to. 
I'm just going to say that and leave it alone. You all right with that? Okay. But in the process of that, what I tell you, the, the guy that runs that, his name is Steve Schultz, and he wrote a book called Can't You Talk Louder, God? And I thought that was an amazing title. <laughs> Can't you talk louder, God? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's times when, when I, I so want to hear and discern God's voice, especially if you're dealing with, uh, I'm going to say volatile situations, things that could explode if you move in the wrong direction. And can I give you what I feel is a great piece of pastoral advice? When you don't know what to do, don't do anything until you know what to do. I have watched people impulsively do things and it's been explosive in a mess. You know what I mean? And maybe if they'd have just waited one more day, they'd have been able to discern. Uh, and, and sometimes I've been those people. You know what I mean? So I, 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 in, my, in the mentoring classes here, I mentioned mentoring class, I, I tell them all the time, I've learned a lot more from the things I've done wrong than I have from the things I've done right. That's why I'm so smart. I've made tons of mistakes. Okay, <laughs> okay. But, but there's a place where, there's a place where, you know what? And, and it's true. It's, it is true. If you mess up, you should learn from what you messed up. You know what I mean? Go back and fix it. But don't lay there and die. Don't just give up. Oh, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't tell you how many times I quit pastoring. Mostly on Mondays. <laughs> a lot of Mondays were, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> okay, yeah. But in the process of that, and there's a, there's a truth to these things, is this, is that we learn from, okay, we learn, we learn from what we do right, we learn from what we do wrong, we learn from what other people do right and what other people do wrong. I want to empower you with a good word. Let me tell you something. As a, from a pastor's perspective, you can't believe how many people would come along to tell you how to pastor your church. Oh, yeah. Most of them with no pastoral experience at all. Yeah. You understand what I just said? But glad to share. Here's an empowering word. Not everybody has the right to speak into your life. Do you understand what I just said? Because everybody will want to. I want you to know God is not the only one with a plan for your life. <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? God's not the only one with a plan for your life. Everybody's got a plan for your life. If you give them an opportunity to speak into your life, they'll probably take it. You have to purpose who you're going to let speak into your life. Who knows the scripture in Proverbs, and the multitude of counselors are safety. But you need to understand something. The inference there is that it's counselors that are hearing God. Okay, because there's a lot of counselors out there that don't have anything to do with hearing God. And I got to say this, not everybody that comes along with a word from God heard God. Do you understand what I just said? Yeah. Yeah, they come along, yay, yay, thus saith God. You might be getting another yay, yay from a (laughs) yo-yo. And you don't have to accept that. I think if you, I think this, this is real important that you catch this. If somebody comes along with a word from God for you, it ought to just confirm what you as God's child have already heard. If it doesn't confirm with what you're hearing from God, put it on a shelf until you hear from God. You're his sons. You're his daughters. You're his children. You have a right to hear from him just like everybody else. I thank God for the people that love you enough. They're praying for you and wanting to hear from God for me. But I got to tell you something. Oh, don't hear this the wrong way. Hear this the right way, please. They don't need to hear from God for you. 
You need to hear from God for you. Do you understand what I just said? You need to hear from God for you. Now, who's ever been in an emotional situation you're trying to hear from God and you're so caught up in it that sometimes it makes everything fuzzy? Right? Thank God for the people that come alongside, but they're going to come alongside of you. They're going to be praying for you. But I'm still telling you, there's a place where you get so settled in your heart. Now you're praying, you're hearing, and it's confirming what they heard. Right? Sometimes you hear, but you're not certain. They come along and confirm what you heard. Sometimes you didn't hear. They heard. Now you pray, but you get the confirmation from heaven. Yeah, that is you, God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a place where you know you're hearing from God because there's a peace that settles in that. There's a peace that settles that. I'll get you in just a second, Cal. It's real important that you hear this. This is very, very important that we hear this. I think it's Colossians 3. This, this is just really, really raising up in my heart. It's Colossians 3. There's another place in Ephesians, but I think the one I want right now is Colossians I lost, my, I lost my good Bible. Who, who has, do you have a favorite Bible? Yeah. Like I, my, the Bible that I preach out of and, and teach out of all the time. I've got 17 Bibles, like I counted them. But I have a Thompson chain, it's a black one. And you know what's really cool about that is that I've been studying out of the same edition. I've got several copies of it, but it's the same edition. So you know, when you're looking at Colossians 3.16, it's in the third column, one third of the way down right here. It's Colossians 3.16. You know what I mean? Y'all follow where I'm at? Yeah. And when you can't, when you're in a strange Bible, everything looks different. And I got the other one all marked up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. The, The idea is this. It wasn't Colossians 3. I'm I'm going to tell you, there's a place. I want want to quote it right now. I'm drawing a blank right now, Donna, and I know what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, let Let me give it to you this way. Find this, the peace of God that passes understanding, okay? Because that would be the second place I would have went to. Uh, well, that, yeah, okay, that's, yeah. Let me do this. That's Philippians 4, yeah, because it comes out of 6, and that was the second place I wanted to go. Let, let's go there then. Let's just run to Philippians because that works. Philippians 4, and we're going to start about verse 6, okay? Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But in Colossians, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In, okay, so it was Colossians 3. I was so close. Okay. <laughs> I, I did say 16, and I went to 16 and kept going down, and it wasn't there. I should have went up. Yeah, there it is. Colossians 3.15 kind of follows along the same idea. Watch this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, okay? To the which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Everybody see that? When he says let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
did most if you talked about this at all that Paul was a very strong sports enthusiast if you study if you study the apostle Paul and from what we can understand through Josephus and different ones Paul was a strong sports enthusiast which I think is kind of cool okay <laughs> but but in that in that uh, he makes a lot of allusions to sports activities he was a, a strong a, proponent. He was very in favor of a lot of the Olympic games. And we could get into some of that just to study his history. If you've ever studied out Saul of Tarsus and who he was, but in the process of all that, even as he says this here, when he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart, what he's saying there, it's actually, if I was to, Philip's literal translation kind of draws a lot of this out, but what he's saying is let the peace of God make the ruling decision or be the umpire. The word is an allusion to an Olympic umpire. And that's what, the, that's what the word actually comes from in the Greek. It's be the umpire every time you have to make a decision. What's he saying? He's saying there's a place where you follow your peace. Y'all understand when I say that? You follow your peace. Like you're praying about something. God, is this what you really want me to do? And you've got this peace that comes over you. Follow your peace. There's a place where you just follow your peace. There's a place. Watch this. God, is this what you want me to do? And all of a sudden, your peace is totally disrupted, right? It's, can I use the phrase, you got a red flag? Who knows what I'm talking about? You got a red flag? You got this red flag. I can't do that. Why? Because I don't know, but my peace is totally disrupted. You know, sometimes Lori and I will be talking about something. We're praying about something. She says, she says I don't know, man. I just don't have a good feeling about that. My, uh, what she's telling me is my peace is disrupted. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Do you get it? It's got to be the, make the ruling decision, be the ruling umpire. Let, let peace be the umpire in every decision that you make. When I'm praying about something, what? It's, it's simple things. Compli- it doesn't matter. I, some of you know, I just bought a truck last week, and I love this new truck, right? But we went to it. I went and looked at it. So I drove, drove two different trucks, one small truck, one bigger truck, right? Gas prices, all the different things you think about, all that, you know, kind of measuring one versus the other, ride versus, you know, comfort and all the things, hauling ability. And just all of a sudden, put them side by side and prayed over them. Bought the white one because it's righteous white. Okay. <laughs> okay. In that process, and watch this, Lori and I prayed, God, what would you have us to do? I knew what I felt was this one. I looked at her and said, what are you feeling? She said, I'm feeling that one. I said, cool. I said, why do you feel that way? She said, just got a piece about buying that one. That's, that's the one we should buy. I said, it's the same way I feel. Isn't that cool that you can do that? Yeah. Whether that's what, a, come on. And it's not, can I say this? It's not a big deal whether you drive a bigger white truck or a smaller silver truck, right? You follow what I'm saying? Other than we're just going to ask God involved. Because every decision you make, I think you ought to involve God in it. I think you ought to involve God in it. We're setting up for the next school, right? Setting up for the next school and, and got some different people that ha- have kind of offered to be a part of that as far as teaching different things, you know what I mean? Talking with different leaders in the, in the body of Christ. And some folks have said to me, well, you know, if you need me to come, I'd be glad to come. But you know what? I don't want to say it the wrong way. Please hear it the right way. Great men, great women, whatever. But there were certain ones I just knew this was God's plan. I think it's going to be totally cool. So I'm very excited about it. I have a guy that I, I kind of thought maybe he might do a couple of days of class, and my peace was disrupted. So you know what? He won't be doing a couple of days of the class. You understand where I'm at? It's nobody that you really know, but, but here's where we're at. In the process of all that, I just feel like God's moving. There's a place where you're hearing God, discerning his voice, understanding his heart, right? And... and there's a peace. You get Colossians 3. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Colossians 3.15, what I'm saying there? There's a place where you get a peace or a red flag. 
He just know what to do. We're going to go over here, buddy. Okay. Um, in the process of that, as we study this and we look at this, we're going to talk about discerning God's voice today. And there's a place where we want to know, God, I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. We'll talk about it. Go ahead, hon. It's on. What about, what about, can you hear me? Nope. Okay, what about walking through your fears? Okay. Overcoming fears. Um, because I may be anxious about something and I need to deal with that and overcome that fear because it may be a, a false perception or something. So I've kind of been pondering that lately because I am walking through some, getting rid of old fears and pressing on to the new you know, we're more than conquerors in Christ. Okay. I, you understand what she's saying? Is that sometimes, uh, even trying to discern the voice of God, have my fears set up a roadblock, you know what I mean, so to speak. And now am I responding to some old mindsets or am I responding to the voice of God? Who knows? Can I say this? All right, I'm going to talk to you real plain. And fears kind of comes along this. I'll kind of broaden the whole perspective if that's okay. But because it fits into a broad perspective. Um, some of you know a couple months ago we buried Pastor Lori's mom. But Pastor Lori's mom, huge, huge footprint in my life. You understand when I say that? Like, like her, her life really helped so much define my life. So very, very endeared, very close. I couldn't even tell mother-in-law jokes. I just liked her too much, <laughs> you know what I mean? But in the process of all that, mom lived in a, she got saved back, you know, mom was 88 years old. She got saved when she was like 18 or something, 20. So, so she got saved way back, you know what I mean? And she came up in the old Pentecostal holiness, and, and hear that right, uh, incredible salvation, incredible baptism of the Holy Spirit. They would see God move in amazing ways. But a lot of legalism with some of that. You okay when I say that? I'm not being critical or hard. But, you know, when mom got her hair cut because she was having migraine headaches, that was very taboo in the old Pentecostal holiness church. A woman never got her hair cut. They rolled it up and wore it on top of their head. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah, so when she got her hair cut, that was taboo. You know, there was no jewelry, there was no television, there was no nothing, you know what I mean? And, and of course, mom came along in some of that. But one of the things that mom held on to over all the years, mom would never, ever wear a pair of pants. She would just wear a dress. Because under the old school Pentecostal holiness, people, women never wore pants. You never wore shorts, you never, and women just wore dresses. That's all mom ever wore. Mom had a stroke. Right? When you have a stroke, your circulatory system kind of shuts down somewhat, and she's now freezing cold all the time. It's winter. She's cold all the time. And I'm telling her, Mom, you know, you can wear pants. It's really not going to grieve the Holy Spirit. But how many know Mom couldn't wear pants? She's now freezing cold. I got to the place where Lori's got two older sisters that are 20 years older than her. And Joanne and Arlene came to me, and they said, Don, you got a lot of influence with Mom. you got to talk to Mom. She's, she's freezing all the time. Let's buy her a sweatsuit. I said, well, you can buy her a sweatsuit if you want. She said, well, we did, but we want you to give it to her. Because <laughs> she won't wear it if we give it to her. But if you give it to her and you tell her, God said it's okay, she might just listen, right? Because I had pretty good influence with my mother-in-law, right? So here's the deal. I sit down with mom and I talk to her. I said, mom, it's okay. You can wear it. Even if you want to put a dress over top, wear the pants, put a dress over top, right? Seen a lot of people do that. 
So I said, you can do that. You know what I mean? She said, okay, okay. If you think it's okay, Dawn, I'm going to. She had it on about four minutes. And, and she come out, and we were all plodding and kind of cheering her on or whatever. And it was kind of a big family moment. Mom finally wore pants, you know what I mean? Had them on about four minutes. And she said, Dawn, i got to take these off. I can't do this. I can't wear it. And I said, Mom, if it so violates your heart, don't violate your own Christian conviction. You don't have the right to put your conviction on everybody else. But if that's your conviction, you've got to live by your conviction. Y'all follow what I said? How many know she believed in her heart the Holy Spirit was convicting her? I believe in my heart her traditions were convicting her. Do you understand what I just said? I don't think it had anything to do with God. I don't think it had anything to do with the Holy Spirit. I think it had everything to do with her tradition. But her tradition was so ingrained in her mind that she couldn't get past that roadblock. Y'all follow what I just said? I think that sometimes our fears that are so inbred in our minds sometimes begin to guide and direct us, and we have to overcome that. Traditions. It's, can I say this? It's a tough thing to break through some old traditions. Oh, some of the old traditions created a mindset in our lives that we had trouble breaking through. In that, some of you know the story, but you know, Pastor Lori and I, I got saved, and Lori grew up in that, right? Lori grew up in the idea that she could watch some TV. If you're from my generation... Who remembers Charlie's Angels? Everybody in my generation watched Charlie's Angels, you know. That was the old ones with Farrah Fawcett and, uh, um, yeah, Jack, Jacqueline Smith. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Jackie Smith and some of those ones. In, in the process of that, uh, that, was the, that was the big thing when, in the 70s when we were in high school, right? But in the process, my wife wasn't allowed to watch that because that was a show that had guns, and she couldn't watch a show that had guns. That was the mindset of the family. You follow what I'm saying? So she grows up in that. No jewelry. We didn't. We got married. When we got married, we didn't exchange rings. We exchanged Bibles. You know what I mean? Because we didn't wear jewelry. And that was that was wrong. You know that was considered uh, from for, what is it? Second Peter chapter three. Let it not be the outward adorning, or the plating of the hair, or the putting on of apparel. Let, the outward adorning of gold. The plating of hair, the putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of a meek and gentle spirit. And that wasn't given an absolute negative. But we took it as an absolute negative. It was actually saying, don't put your emphasis on the outside, put your emphasis on the inside. Who knows? That's the scripture, right? But when it said, don't, don't let it not be. So we said, let it not be. And we preached, let it not be. Hallelujah. And you could stomp. And then that made it God, you know? So, so, so there was a place for that. Understand, to break through that, because I can remember when Pastor, and Lori, Pastor Lori and I left from the organization and she put her first ring on. It was a real challenge to her. She's doing incredibly well with it now. <laughs> it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that bling. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, but, 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 but in that, and you got to catch this, okay? Because in the process, sometimes we got to come through some of those old mindsets. It's a paradigm shift. It's the changing the way you think. It's seeing from a different perspective. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to broaden that stuff in our life. But watch this. you got to be careful that we don't ever enter into an anything-goes mentality. Or you can get really messed up. Because I've seen it shift the wrong way. Holy Spirit has to be involved in every decision that you're making. And you've got to allow that to be a part of the, of the fabric of your life and who you are. And that's, that's one of the big keys. Go ahead, bring it to Vicki. And, and what we're seeing is, and I think it's a major thing, but there's a place where we're allowing God to have a voice that overrides every other voice. We're going to talk about that. Go ahead. Well, I struggle with um, former leadership that I was under. And 
I, I invited quite often to sing, like I used to do the support the troops rallies, and I always, you know, would impart God in everything I did outside of the church right. um, and at memorial services and such. And I, I, when you say red flag, it triggers this awful, icky thing in the pit of my stomach because I was told by leadership that I sat under that, you know, if you want to do something outside of the church, you have to come to me and I'll tell you if I get a red flag or not. And I, um, I struggle with this because, you know, the same Holy Spirit I used to argue, <laughs> the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you lives inside of me. And I think I will know whether or not I get a red flag or a green flag. So um, it's just hard when you've been told, you know, that your gift is consecrated for the use of the house only. That was such a four walls mentality that I struggle with that. When I, when I hear red flag and stuff. And I don't know if that's a fear that, oh, what if I don't hear God now because of being told that for so many years? Okay. I, I, I hear you. I want to be careful how I comment to that because watch this. This is very, very important that we hear this. There's a place where we love and honor and respect, so I never want to take away from that. But I'm going to come back to you over and over and over and over. And please hear my heart in this. When it comes down to it and you stand before the Lord, you will not be able to point your finger at Pastor Dan, at myself, or any other leader. You are accountable for your life. So you better learn to hear God for yourself. There comes a place where if you're relying on everybody else to hear God for you, why would you ever need to hear God? Do you understand what I just said? Please don't rely. I, I don't want the responsibility of hearing God for you. I, don't, I, I would run from that responsibility. I don't want you to come and tell. I get people, all, I, and I do this a lot. I get people to come to me about because they want to make financial decisions. You pray and tell me what you're hearing, right? I get people, even marriage and different things. I got a girl yesterday, talked to a girl very close to. She's thinking about getting married to this guy, and she wants to know, what are you hearing when you pray about this? I'm like, honey, I am not answering that question. Okay? <laughs> Why? Because if I say, oh, yeah, I think it's a good thing, go marry him, then it blows up. It's my fault. If I tell her, honey, I just don't hear God in that at all, and she decides not to marry him, and she dies a lonely old widow, it's my fault. Uh, I'm not bearing that responsibility. You hear God. What do you hear? And I bring that back to people constantly. What are you hearing from God? There's a place where you have the right, the privilege. You're his child. Why wouldn't he talk to you? I can't imagine not talking to my kids. And I'm not near as good a father as he is. He wants to talk to you. We're going to talk about all the different ways God wants to talk to you because I think you need to see that. I think you need to hear that. I, I think that's a place where we've got to get a hold of that. But I, I don't think, watch this. I don't, I, thank God there's a place where, and, and I would say this because at this point, some of you might even know, but Vicki, Vicki's our receptionist at the desk. So when we're, we're pretty tight and close, and, and if she comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm praying about this. This is what I'm hearing. What are you hearing? You know what I mean? I might pray, and we're going to share. I'll say, well, you know, that sounds pretty good to me. It feels good to my heart. I got a piece for that. Or you know what? I, I might even say, well, Vic, you know what? I'm not real clear on that right now. There's, there's a couple of concerns I have, and I may even issue my concerns, but then I would release her with this in mind. You pray about it and see what you're hearing. Because there's a place where I would much rather train you to hear God than you all have to come and ask me that question. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. I don't want that responsibility. I got way too much other things going on. <laughs> so, so it seems to me that it's a whole lot easier if we just heard God for ourselves. Amen. 
Yeah, and nothing wrong with having some people that are close to you. Watch this. I believe in having some people close to you. We're going to bounce things off of each other. I do it all the time. Pastor Rick, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dan, Todd, different ones. We'll talk back and forth all the time. Hey, man, I'm praying about this or I'm praying about that. You know, tell me, you know, and we share back and forth. I think it's a great thing. Thank God for the people that are around you that hear God. Isn't it great to know there's some people around you that actually hear God? Yes. Yay. Isn't it greater when you hear God for yourself? Yes. Here's the challenge. What if you're hearing God say yes and three people come to you and said they heard God say no? What do you do then? Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Because you believe in your heart, you heard a yes. And if you believe in your heart that you heard a yes, let me give you a good word, good pastoral word. Don't ever let anyone talk you out of what God's talking you into. Do you understand what I just said? Don't ever let anyone talk you out of what God's talking you into. That's really strong in my heart. Because I hear that a lot. Somebody takes a stand for, for something that they really, really believe in and they believe is God. And in the midst of that challenge, there's seven people trying to tell them, I don't think that's God. If you believe it's God, you stand. If it's not him, he'll tell you. Oh, we haven't even got to a scripture yet. I am getting Dan's anointing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeanette. Um, oh, feel that. I, I feel this really strong. Go ahead. This goes with what, in line to what she was saying. <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of us were brought up this way in different churches, but the pastor where the leaders take such a role in being your covering and your and it's like I, I, yeah right it's, <laughs> go ahead i don't mean any disrespect by this at all because there was a point at one time where i found that comforting okay because i've you know just being brought up in such a dysfunctional world but then it's like what she's saying you feel like god is saying to you you need to do this or go here or say this, and, and you're getting blessed because you're spending time with the Lord, and you, and you are hearing. And then those men of God just come, and that's where my confusion is, that, that okay. they, with this covering. Uh, I'll come back and reaffirm what I just said. Uh, and thank God, please, because I, I appreciate your comment as, as saying there's no disrespect men. You know, I understand what you're saying. It's not, a, it's not a place of disrespect or dishonor. There's a place where sometimes, and I, I guess it's probably true, and I've, it's hard for me to even imagine, but I've, I've heard so many different stories this way, that sometimes there can be almost a place where your position creates a power that can almost corrupt. You know what I mean? And it might even be more from a, a, a safeguard. I've got to protect. You know, they feel there's a need for protection and everything. I, I would much rather mature you and let you fly than worry about protecting you the rest of your life. Y'all follow what I'm saying? And there's a place where you've got to walk out your walk. Because it, I, I tell you, over and over, at the end of the way, when you stand before the Lord, it's you and him. It's you and him. It's not you and him and a group of people and all the other things. It's you and him. You know, if, now I'll, I'll say this, and this is a place just from a shepherd's heart, pastor's heart, uh, what I can tell you is, if there's a place where I can see you're walking into danger, you know what I mean, or you're getting kind of out, can I say out in left field and you all okay with what I'm saying? You know, there's a place then where I've got to kind of rope you back in and say, wait a minute, hold on a minute, let me talk to you about something. 
And, and for the people in my mentoring classes, one of the things that they know, if I bring you to the office and I start the conversation with, you know I love you, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. If I start with, you know I love you, right? That's usually, that's going to be some correction that's coming behind that. But that's because out of a place of love and concern, there's a protecting that has to take place. And we understand that there, there is a responsibility for pastors. There is a, can I say this? To whom much is given, what? Much is required. So there's a responsibility that comes with that. And we want to guard that and take that well. But man, I think the responsibility can I, can I take you somewhere? I got, I got to now. It's just so in my heart. Go to Ephesians 4, okay? Because this is what I believe, and I want to say this really, really strong. God spoke to my heart maybe about two years ago, and it, this was the phrase that God burned in my spirit. The church is moving from a place of gathering to a place of empowering. Amen. Do you understand what I just said? We're going from a place of gathering to a place of empowering. So what I believe is, as a pastor, there's a place where my job is about empowering. Let me take you to Ephesians 4. Let me show you a couple verses. It's really, really strong, okay? In Ephesians 4, all right, we're going to start with, uh, oh, let's go to about verse 8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men, okay? Now, verses 9 and 10 is just in parentheses. It's a, it's a continuation of the thought, but, but to, to pick it back up, we've got to go to verse 11. What did he give? He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Why? In the King James, it says, for the perfecting of the saints. Every other version there would say equipping. Yep. Everybody okay with that? You all know that, right? Yep. Every other version says equipping. The Greek word there is actually equipping. It's to equip the saints, what? To go out and do the work of the ministry, why? So that the body of Christ would be edified. For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith. You, you got it? So watch this because it gets even stronger in the, in the wording. But I want you to see this. There's a place where I feel as a pastor, my job is to equip saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. Why? Because it's not the pastor's job to go do the work of the ministry. It's the pastor's job to equip the saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. Did y'all get that? It's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers ought to be equipping saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. Why? Because it's an as-you-go ministry. I believe that church as we know it 10 years from now is going to look a whole lot different than it does today. I, God spoke to my heart about this a little while ago. It's about a year ago, so maybe it's nine years from now. But the Lord spoke to my heart a little while ago, and he said, 10 years from now, church is going to look so different than it does now. I believe that we'll come in on a Sunday morning, and Sunday morning will just be a celebration of what God did from Monday to Saturday. Amen. We'll just celebrate it, equip the saints, go back out and do it again. Right now, even in the house here, we're starting out with a bunch of different testimonies. I have Pastor Rick kind of getting testimonies together because I just want to start celebrating what God's been doing all week long. I think there's a place where we learn to celebrate the, the, the victories of the week, come back in, get empowered to go back out and do it again. Because it ought to be the equipping of the saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. Does that fit for you scripturally? One of the things we have to ask ourselves is, has the culture that we've been raised in, as far as what we call church, been a time of exchanging information or empowering? Do you understand what I just said? It can't just be another history lesson. We've got to have an empowering of the people of God to go out and do the work of the ministry. That's what he's calling us to. Okay, Shane. So there's some thoughts here, and I wanted to share this with you, but, but, but keep that in mind. Go ahead, man. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, just to bring some scripture to everything that you're saying, um, I, I, you know, my, my heart is just completely jumping for because uh, it's, it's been ringing true, and the Lord's been uh, teaching me this. Um, but First uh, Peter chapter five, um, uh, starting in verse one, he just says, uh, "The elders who are among you, I exhort. Uh, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory which will be revealed." Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, uh, not by compulsion, by willingly, uh, not by dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor by being lords over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, who's the chief shepherd here? The chief shepherd here is Christ when Christ comes back. Sure. And this is really, uh, when, uh, when I read this, um, this really put a lot of perspective of what exactly is, is an elder because an elder is supposed to be the closest thing that we see to Jesus before he comes. He's supposed to be an example. Mm-hmm. So elders, elders are, are uh, elders, teachers, those that are uh, uh, serving as in those offices are supposed to be the closest thing we see to Jesus before he comes. And the interesting thing is, is what was Jesus doing? He was always empowering. You know, he was always telling his disciples to go more, go beyond. He was always telling his disciples how to uh, do on their own. He wasn't saying, come to me when you need something, come to me and I'll do this and da 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 da, you know, and, you know, before you go out, you know, be sure and check, make sure that this is, you know, what the Lord wants, you know, (laughs) all this stuff. He was always constantly telling them, go, 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 go. Right. And so, that's exactly what the elders are supposed to do. And, and, and I actually went up to Pastor Don a few weeks ago, and I, and I said you know, um, uh, that, uh, that the Lord has actually confirmed that Pastor Don is an elder in my life. And the reason that, because hearing his teaching, because I've been very cautious, because my elders at my church were telling me not to come up here. So, they were, they, so you know, it's like, oh, well, the elders were telling me. And so it's kind of like God is like, okay, you need some new elders. And so, <laughs> so I came up here. I came, I came up here, and uh, uh, and right off the get-go, uh, God was kind of like, Dan's one of your elders. I was like, okay, cool, you know, because he's someone that I see empowering. He's someone that I that I could say is an example t- for me of of what I want to be and how I want to uh, empower others. And then it was cool because yeah, Pastor Don. Then later. Uh, he just, the Lord was like, he's another one of your elders. So I was like, cool. So I'm, you know, getting my, uh, uh, getting my elders. And it's pretty cool. But, but again, uh, a lot of what everything Pastor Don is saying is so true. And especially in the area of we're going to be seeing change and what elders have been taking on. If it's not, if it's not being example of what Christ did, those are responsibilities that aren't supposed to be necessarily taken on, you know, and, and now cultural's culture is different and things like that so you have to understand that it's you know there are going to be variations but the heart of Jesus which is the empowerment which is the the pushing out the preparing of the flock the overseeing but not lording over I love how it says that because right. it's not a lording over so everything everything yeah is is rock on I, I really appreciate this okay cool Some, something they really consider even as Shane brings it out and one of the thoughts is is that if you study the life of Christ that's what you're going to find is that over and over watch when he feeds the 5,000 we talk about Jesus feeds the 5,000 right he didn't he didn't matter of fact when he said he, he said you feed them you feed them 
And they said, all we have here is a little bread and some fish, right? Had a little fish dinner. <laughs> Two-piece fish dinner, that's what it was. And, and, and in the process, he said, oh, give it to me. Let me bless it. Okay, go feed them. You feed them. He prays for it, but the multiplication actually comes at the disciples' hands. You need to understand that. He was empowering them to go do it right? He's on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. What happens? A man shows up with a demoniac son, right? But they can't, they don't cast out that devil. So when Jesus comes down with Peter, James, and John, and they bring, they, they come there, and, and the man comes and says, well, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything with them. Do you remember what happens? He, he rebukes them. What's wrong with you guys? Why? I've empowered you to do this. Why do you bring... Why do I have to do it when I've empowered you to do it? That's really what he just said there. Y'all get that, right? There's a place where it's an empowerment of the body. That's what, and that's what the Lord spoke to my heart about a year ago. It's, we're going from a place of gathering to a place of empowering. We have to get that. That becomes really, really imperative that we begin to understand that. And the only way we're going to walk in that kind of power, the only way we're going to walk in this kind of grace is we've got to be, can I say this? If I'm a soldier and I'm showing up for duty, I just want to hear from my commanding officer. How many know? This isn't your commanding officer, that is. Did y'all get that, right? Right? So if I'm showing up for duty, I just want to hear I'm showing up for my marching orders. Give me my marching orders. I want to be able to hear God. I want to be able to hear Him clearly. And sometimes, and again, Don even brings it out earlier, some of the static on the line can be challenging because it's our emotions and some of the different fears and some of the old mindsets and, and breaking through. So there's a paradigm shift that has to take place right here. I've got to see things differently. I've got to think differently. You know, some of us grew up, some of us grew up <laughs> all kind of messed up. But the fact of the matter is, is that now we're getting that all together. It's coming in line. What, what do I got to do? I guess I should have my mind renewed. Anybody ever read Romans 12? <laughs> Come on, because we're getting our mind renewed. I, I've, got to, I've got to think differently so I can see differently. Amen. Go to John chapter 10, man. I, I'm, I'm going to get there. <laughs> John chapter 10 is where I wanted to start. And, and I'm, I'm enjoying this immensely. I want you to see this. There's some things here that I think are real strong. Have you been in John 10 with Pastor Dan at all? <laughs> been everywhere else. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's go to John chapter 10. Okay, okay. I love this. If you've been around me for a while, you know this is one of my favorite phrases, but do you see the first two words? He starts out with verily, verily. You have to understand that anytime Jesus says verily, verily, he's saying this is extremely important. Okay? This is extremely important. When he says verily, verily, um, every time that I read this, there were several years ago, this kind of clicked in my head this way. As a child, I grew up with a favorite cartoon character, and his name was Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> I love Foghorn Leghorn, right? And if you've been around long, you need to understand who Foghorn Leghorn is. Every time I read verily, verily, I see Foghorn Leghorn looking at that little chicken going, I say, boy, I say, I say look at here, boy. boy I, say, I say, boy, look at here, boy. I'm talking to you, boy. That, that, that's what I get when I hear Jesus saying verily, verily. It's the whole Foghorn Leghorn scenario. I say, boy, look at here, boy. I'm, a, I'm talking to you, son. Okay, okay. It means this is important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, okay? Look here, boy. I'm telling you something, okay? He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, watch what he's saying. 
To him the porter opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice and a stranger will they not follow but they'll flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers. That's probably five incredibly important verses right there. It tells us a lot about God. It tells us a lot about the heart of Christ. And we need to know this. I want to say something that's really, really, really important. The best way for you to follow God is to know the heart of God. If you really want to discern his voice, know his heart. Can I talk to you about something that's true, very true scenario? One of the guys that was on the board of the church here for, for a while, he's still a big part of the body here, but he's not on the board uh, because of traveling obligations and some different things. But incredible man with an amazing heart. His sister was coming, and uh, she was coming with her husband. They were coming for a while. And then they didn't show up for a few weeks, and I asked him. I said, hey, man, I said, I haven't seen your sister in a couple weeks. Is she doing Okay. He said, yeah, I noticed she wasn't here. Let me call her. He said, I'll call her. I said, okay, if she needs anything, let me know. You know, I just want to know what's, you know, make sure she's okay. And uh, so he called her. And he called me back the next day. And he asked, he said, did my sister call you yesterday? I said, no. He said, she's gonna. I'll make sure of it. I said, why? What's going on? And he said, well, he said, and here's what happened. And I thought it was a pretty neat thing. She told him something that she heard that I had said from somebody else. Follow what I just said? Someone told her that I said this about one of her children. Okay? Now the guy, right, who's my friend and was a board member at the time, said, looked at his sister. He said, how long have you been coming to Harvest Chapel? She said, about, about seven, eight months. And she said, he said, then you kind of know the heart of the pastor. Do you honestly believe that he would have ever said that? And she said, well, it sure seems out of character. It actually shocked me that he said that. He said, why don't you go to him and find out what he really said? He said, because I can tell you, I've been with him for a few years. I know his heart as well as anybody. And I can tell you there's no way he said that because I know his heart. Do you understand that whole phrase? Please hear that. She called me. She said, Pastor Don, I've got to ask you a question. We got talking, and I, I actually started to laugh. I said, honey, let me tell you what was said, and this is how it got twisted. You follow that whole scenario? Yeah. The reason the man never moved is because he knew those words wouldn't have came out of my mouth because he knows where my heart's at. Follow what I just said. In the same essence, when you're listening to hear the voice of the Lord, one of the most important things is that you understand the heart of the Father. Because if you understand the heart of God, then hearing the voice of God becomes easier to determine what's the voice of God versus what's the voice of a stranger. Because God's voice will always match his heart. That's good. God's voice will always match his heart. Why? Because he's the one that said so. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the abundance of the heart, God's mouth speaks. Do you get it? Out of his heart. He's speaking his heart to us. So every time that you're hearing a voice, one of the things you've got to ask is, does this match the nature and the character of God? If I don't understand his heart, how would I ever understand his voice? But if I understand his heart, now hearing his voice becomes clearer and easier. 
Hope that makes sense. Watch this. He says some amazing things in these first five verses. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door, but into the sheepfold, but into the sheepfold, but climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. Okay? In verse 10, most of us are familiar with that, but he's going to tell you the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? Now watch this. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay? The sheep, verse 3, the sheep hear his voice, right? Who's the sheep? Come on, we're his sheep, right? We should hear his voice. Okay, now watch. Watch what he says. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. He said, follow me. It's an amazing thing in the body of Christ that one day we're going to get this, and we're not going to try to lead him. We're going to follow him. I can tell you that for years, even as a pastor for years, I would be praying, trying to discern what God might be wanting to do, and I'd come up with a really good plan and ask God to come and join me. (laughs) Y'all understand what I just said? Now, we may not have ever used those words. We may not have even, but you know how that whole hindsight's 2020? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And in hindsight, I can look back and realize that probably several places in my life where I came up with a good plan and said, God, why don't you come here and join us? Because we got a good thing going on and it'll be better if you help us. How many many of you ever heard the phrase that if the Lord came tomorrow, a lot of churches could continue to operate and not even know the Holy Ghost left? That's challenging, isn't it? (laughs) It's a sad day when we can have church without him. Do you understand what I just said? But how many know that's true? I mean, I'm not being critical. I'm not being harsh. But the fact of the matter is... I was in, I was in, I went to Jackson, Michigan, held a revival up there, a six-day revival. It ended up on a Friday night. We got a major snowstorm, so we ended up uh, staying over Saturday. We didn't have, uh, we, we weren't scheduled to have a revival then, but down in Ann Arbor, Michigan, they were having a huge concert. Um, back then, this would have been back in the, in the probably early 80s, and uh, uh, I wasn't a big fan of, of Southern gospel music, but I'd listened to some of it. But there was a group out called the Gold City Quartet. If you have any of your fans of that, you might have heard of the Gold City Quartet. And they were, no, it wasn't the Gold City Quartet, it was the Kingsmen. And, uh, and, and they, had a, they were doing a big concert down in uh, Ann Arbor. And the pastor that I was friends with had a bunch of tickets. And he said, come on, we're going to go to this concert on Saturday night. So we went to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, we went to this concert. It's in a 3,000-seat auditorium. It's a Methodist church. 2,000 seats on the floor and 1,000 seats in the, ba- in the balcony. And it packed solid because the Kingsmen were in the height of their day at that point, right? Do you remember the name of the bass singer? Was it Bill Young, Young something like that? Or do you remember? I can't remember his name now. But anyway, it was Bill somebody. But he was, they were singing. And I mean, the glory of God was, I mean, it felt good. It was just, it made you want to shout. But you're in a Methodist church that's very, very staunch and very, very proper. <laughs> And everything inside of me is rising up, and I'm wanting to shout, and I'm thinking, I'm not allowed to shout. Okay. Do you ever feel that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're like in a place you want to shout. You're just like, I'd just be out of order. I'd just really be out of order to shout, but boy, if I wasn't, I'd like to shout. That old bass singer grabbed a hold of a microphone, and he went, well, glory, <laughs> just like that. And the whole place went, oh, my gosh. He said, when you got one of them in you, you just got to let it out. Okay. I thought, yeah. Okay. So, why you tell that? Here's the deal. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, it was amazing. Sometimes, and, I, and, I, and I'll say this, you get, God's wanting to move in your life. And sometimes because of our traditions or because of our, maybe it's even our misunderstandings that has kept us back through old mindsets and different things, yeah, that we've, we've, we've held back from taking a step that God wanted us to take that if we'd have took it 10 years ago, we'd have really been released into so much more. I honestly believe that God is, is, can, y'all, I get a picture of this. I don't know if you, one of the ways God speaks to us a lot is in pictures, and I'll talk about some of that in a little while, but you ever picture the mother bird kind of, when the baby won't fly, it pushes the baby out of the nest? Anybody know that picture? You know what I'm talking about? Because it's real life. I mean, that does happen. The mama will push the baby because if the baby ain't going to fly on his own, we have to push the baby. The baby's going to fly. I honestly believe there's been several times in my life where God was pushing this baby. Fly, boy, fly. Come on, fly. Whew. Some of the greatest challenges in my life came because I believe God was pushing me because I was resistant to follow. So he had to get behind me and push. Anybody understand what I just said? Who's been pushed? You all know him? Oh, good. Okay. Okay. And I'll say this. Most of the time that God had to push me is because I was afraid it wasn't him that was speaking in the first place. Like I heard him but I was afraid it wasn't him. So, and watch this. My fear wasn't that I, that I heard God and I, I couldn't do what he was asking me. My fear was it wasn't really him and I didn't want to do something in the flesh, right? So because I didn't want to do it in the flesh, I did nothing. How many know if God's telling you to do something and you stay back in the flesh, now that's, that's uh, just messed up. That's what that is, okay. Some of us, and I'm an old Pentecostal, so I can talk from an old Pentecostal mindset. We were so afraid because we were slammed with the idea, don't you dare get in the flesh. Don't do anything. Because we've got that whole Ananias and Sapphira thing. You know what I mean? You get in the flesh and boom, you're just falling over. There's the feet of the men will carry you out. (laughs) You know, because we were taught. Come on, who was taught some of that stuff? So we got so afraid. Like, watch this. Messages and interpretations. If I talk, well, you guys are all familiar enough with that and on the internet. I hope you are. And if you're not, come on here. We'll show you. Okay. <laughs> okay but, but, but there's a place where, where, where there's, a, there's a place where uh, God would be raising up and you feel like, man, but you're, you're holding back. Why? Because we were afraid. What if it's not God? What if it's just me? What if it's not him? You know what I mean? So then who's done, who's done this? We start putting out a fleece. God, if that's really you, who's, come on, we've done all that. Some of you, some of you, some of you are looking at me like, yeah, I got no clue, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And, and I can remember all this stuff going through, man, because you got to understand, most of you know my background had nothing to do with Pentecostalism. I was raised Roman Catholic, altar boy, all the things with that. That was all new to me once I saw some of this stuff happening. And God was moving in my life, and I'm thinking, God, is this really you? And I can remember at one point, I, I felt like God was speaking to me to do something very special in a service. Uh, it was the first time ever that I felt anything like this. So I said, Brother Parton was my pastor. We called everybody brother and sister. 
Who's in the old Pentecostal church called everybody brother and sister? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It really simplified not needing to know names. <laughs> it was just, hey, brother, hey, sister. <laughs> but anyway, in the process of that, uh, Brother Parton was my pastor. So I, uh, God's moving on me to do something special. It was like a kind of a Jericho march thing, and you might have no understanding of that. But, but I really felt like that was God. And I said, Lord, if that's really you, I said, man, let, let Brother Parton shout. And I mean, as soon as I said that, he shouted. And I thought, okay. God, that's probably just a coincidence. If that's really you, right? If that's really you, you know what I mean? Let Gracie groom just start to cry. Guess what happened? Gracie starts crying. I'm like, yeah, but Lord, she always cries. (laughs) I was so trying to get out of it, right? (laughs) We start... Can I talk to you about this? Here's Here's a good truth. Old Testament fleece. New Testament, Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I just said? Yeah. In the Old Testament, they put out a fleece, but in the New Testament, you got the Holy Spirit. We don't need to, I've watched people, don't don't hear it wrong. If if it's in your heart to do a fleece thing, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you that that seems to me to be an Old Testament paradigm and it's replaced in the New Testament by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do y'all follow what I just said? And you study that, that'll fit. Okay. That was worth coming for right there. There had to be some reason. Okay. This is just huge for me. A stranger they will not follow. Does it say that in your Bible? That's really big to me, a stranger they will not follow. We've got to get to the place where we understand. He didn't say a stranger they will not hear. He said a stranger they will not follow. As a matter of fact, the very idea that Jesus says a stranger they will not follow tells me you're going to hear a stranger's voice. Because I don't even have the option to not follow if I can't hear do you get what I just said? You're got, you, you've got, there's got to be a stranger's voice out there that's going to be speaking, and most of us have heard that. Come on, yada, 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 yada. And you've got to be able to discern the stranger's voice from the voice of God. God's voice will always line up with his word. It will always line up with his character. It will always line up with his nature. There's never a time where God steps outside of the arena of who he is. God's not in an identity crisis. He's not, he's not bipolar. He's always the same. He's constant. He said, I'm the Lord thy God. I change not. That's pretty good. So his voice is always going to line up with his character, his nature, and who he is. So the stranger's voice, they will not follow. Isn't it amazing that when Satan tempts Jesus, whether you're in Matthew 4 or Luke 4, when, he, when Satan is tempting him, the first time he tempts him in a place of his need because he's been 40 days with fasting, command the stones, they become bread, right? Then the second time, he takes him to a place of where, where, where he's wanting to bargain with him for the power. But the third time, and I think it's kind of interesting, he quotes scripture to him. You know Satan quotes scripture, right? If you really are the son of God, then cast yourself down from this pinnacle because isn't it written? He'll give his angels charge over thee to, ca- to keep thee in all thy ways, lest I dash thy foot against the stone. Isn't it amazing that he quotes scripture to him? Why? Because he's trying to mimic God's voice. We're going to talk about some of that today, okay? We'll talk about a counterfeit voice out there. I think it's kind of interesting. Drop down to verse 16. We're in John 10. Cool, watch this. 
Other sheep which are not of this fold, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They'll hear my voice. There'll be one fold and one shepherd. Isn't that an amazing verse? They will hear my voice. 27, look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. They're challenging verses. My sheep hear my voice. Has your prayer ever been, bah? <laughs> I'm a sheep, I want to hear your voice. There's a place where we just got to cry out, God, I want to hear your voice. Who's ever prayed with tears, God, speak to me, please. I need to hear you. Over and over, we make what, what I would consider life-altering decisions. We better hear God's voice in that. Talking to a lady yesterday about getting married. She's wanting to get married. My, my, my thing with her is, what's God saying? She said, I don't know for sure. I want to know for sure. I said, then keep praying. If you don't know what to do, don't do nothing until you know what to do. How many know the person you marry is the second most important decision you're going to ever make in your life? The first is about a marriage too. Yeah. Different groom. I got to hear God. There's decisions being made, whether they're financial, whether they're physical, whether they deal with family, whether they deal with relationships, whether they deal with all kinds of things. Got to hear God. In the midst of that, there's a place. He says, and this is, these are challenging verses. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Some, I would tell you, if, if you did a survey in the United States, I don't know, what's this, I'm going to pick wild and crazy numbers, but let's just say there's 300 million Christians. What percentage of them do you think actually would say, I hear the voice of God on a regular basis? 300 million Christians. How many think actually hear the voice of God on a regular basis? How many know you can hear God every day? Come on, you've got to be, and there's a place where you've got to live your life like you're hearing God. I can tell you something. I surround myself with people that I believe hear God. If I don't think you hear God, I don't need you in my inner circle. Right? We can still be friends, but there's a place where in my inner circle, I want people that are hearing God. On a regular basis. Follow this. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Can I tell you something? I'll talk to you real, real plain. A lot of years of ministry, a lot of years of pastoring. There are some times when I hear God, it's clear as a bell. There is absolutely no question in my life, oh God, that's you. There are other times when I hear God and say, I think that's God. You understand what I just said? Sometimes it's, I think it's him. I want to know it's him. I want to be able to discern the voice of God with clarity all the time. Could we do that? You ever been, you ever been like, like just, uh, are there places in your life you hear God clearer than others? Where, where do you hear, talk to me, where do you hear God? What, what's a common place for you to hear God? Who said that? That's, I, I've preached this. I've preached it. That's, that's the place where I think I hear God clearer than anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's the anointed shower. <laughs> okay? But there's a place. Do you understand what Jeanette's saying? I've, I've even asked God, God, why is it? Because I'm going to tell you something. I'll be standing in the shower, and I'm not even thinking 
about, I'm, I'm really, I'm not even thinking about God. I don't want to say I'm not thinking about God because I'd like you to think I'm really spiritual and think about God 24-7. Okay, but, but, but the truth is, is that sometimes you just sit there and you're not thinking about anything and all of a sudden revelation just starts hitting you. You know why I think it is? Because you weren't thinking about anything else. Because your mind's relaxed, your body's relaxed. You're just, all you're thinking about is, oh, it feels so good. Okay, and, just, and then boom, and God starts speaking to you. And I think it's because your mind's not racing on the 27,000 other things that are vying for your attention. You clear with that? Even when I'm over here, because I, I spend the time in the sanctuary, and I'll, I'll walk the sanctuary. Do you guys, do you have a certain, I, everybody probably does things differently. For me, my best prayer time is not on my knees or on my, fa- I got people, I'll, I'll come in sometimes, there's people laying on the floor and they're whatever, and they're spending time. I walk in here. Like I, to me, it's just, I talk to God like this. I'm just walking. It's no different than anything else. I'm walking. I'll go up there. I'll pray over things. I'm, you know, because you serve, a lot of people sit in certain areas of the church, right? Even when I'm walking through that area, you're on my heart. You know what I mean? So, so if I'm back in that corner, right, right back up here, it's your family's back there. You know, that's where they sit. So I'm praying for David and Lisa and Jesse and Hannah and Chloe and Mike. And, you know, there's a lot of them kids. So you've got to name them all. You know, <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, so, but, but you're walking through and it's like, it's, you know, and it's just different places, different people. And you think that way. But my mind isn't still. You understand what I just said? Because it's being flooded with thoughts. Sometimes it's when your mind shuts down that you're hearing God the clearest. Yep. And there's a way to, oh, where you hear God? Yeah, you said you did. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to talk to God, do it on the throne. Okay, I got you. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. I, I'm not going there. Go ahead. No, you are. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> She's saying just doing dishes. And you stop and think about that because it's the things like that that are just, can I say this? They're mundane. You don't have to think about doing dishes. It's not like you have to concentrate on, I got to get every spot. You're just doing it. And as you're doing, and you're in, there's a communion that's going on. It's just amazing. It ought to be that way. Trisha said, in my car. Come on, sometimes in our car, we hear God real clear in our car. Why? Because we're just driving and we're just, you know, and now you're meditating on the Lord and all of a sudden there's downloads that are coming in. So I've got to tell you, I've got like CDs and different things that I put in my car. And sometimes I just got to turn everything off yep, yeah. because everything else wants to be a distraction. You can get so busy listening to your tapes and your CDs and your Christian music and, and the radio and whatever. And all of a sudden realize that you spent hours and hours and no communion, even though it's God centered and God oriented. But there's a place where you shut all that down and it's just you and him. Y'all okay with what I'm saying? My sheep hear my voice. It's a very challenging thought. He says that, now follow me. I love this. This is amazing to me. Okay? So we're hearing God, and sometimes, can I say this? I'll just talk to you real plain. It's who I am, but I'll be in the middle of a service. For whatever reason, it's much easier for me to hear God in the middle of a church service. Like, I never struggle with what's the next direction, where you want to go. It's almost like it just comes, and you just know. This is how many, been, if you've been in church here, you know. It's never unusual in the middle of worship. I'll just uh, walk up on the platform because God's saying, there's an open door. There's a time here. God stepped through the window, and it's time. And there's an open door to touch, you know, and God's speaking. What I find in the midst of that is, is that there are places where we're, We'll hear God real clear in other places where we're sometimes challenged with that. Yeah. But I need to make, um, but there's a place where, Linda, 
um, there's a place where we're, we're asking God, watch this, if I can hear you real clear while I'm here, I want to be able to hear you real clear while I'm over here. Does that make sense? Because guess what? He didn't change. So what did? My perspective. My ability to hear him didn't change. My perspective did. Go ahead, Linda. Um, I honestly have to say that at times, I think I've only heard him like three times. Okay. But whenever I am in my car and listening to music, I find myself that I cry at certain words Mm -hmm. really hard. Mm Mm-hmm. And what he does, too, is I never, I always get his word from the Bible. Like, if I do something, like something, a scripture will come up, and maybe a day later, I'll hear that scripture, and then, like, you'll pastor, and that'll tell me, confirm what he said to me. Cool. I got a scripture in the middle of um, Don's class, happy or Dan's class. And it was right in the middle when he was talking. He just gave me one, and I had to go to him and find out what it meant. And then it was funny as two days later, the girls came, and I got slayed out, and the girl said to me, isn't this what you wanted? And it's exactly what God said he was going to do for me. And two days later, those four women came, and he did it. So cool. every, he always tells me ahead of time what he is going to do, and then he performs it. I never know when it's going to happen, but he tells me through the word. It's not really through the hearing. Oh, and well, it confirms everything. Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. Again, I didn't understand it. And I said to God, I keep getting this, but I don't understand. But then Joyce Myers was on, and she totally explained what Hebrews 11 was all about. And I thought, oh, I just sat in bed and put her on, and there it was. Because <laughs> he does that. He'll give me things, and then he explains them later. So I'm, like, prepared ahead of time, and then I get it. Right. What's, what's really, really cool, and something that you said really triggers something in my heart. The very, one of the very first things she said, did anybody hear? I've only ever heard him like maybe three times. You've heard him a whole lot more. I think what happens is that sometimes what we think is to hear God, there's got to be some thunder, some lightning, two feathers have to fall, some gold dust has to pile up, and, 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 a, and a bright light shines, and you hear music going, and now we heard God, you know what I mean? And it's never that way, right? But we're going to talk about all the ways we hear God, because Elijah's in a cave, we'll talk about this, Elijah's in a cave trying to hear God, and what happens? You got thunder, you got lightning, you got earthquakes, you got fire, and then you got a still small voice. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, there's a whole lot of neat things to that. And we'll, thanks for bringing that up because we'll get into that in the second half of the class. We're going to have some fun with this. Um, we're going over to Becky real quick and then uh, we'll see what we can get from here. But there's some things that are so pressing in my heart right now about how we're going to hear God. Isn't it cool? Who's, we'll study. Maybe we'll, look at, maybe we'll look into Samuel who thinks he hears Eli. Right? right? Go ahead, hon. I think you have to be open to hear him in so many different ways because I've traveled back and forth to Kansas several times since I've been here. This last time we were coming home, there were so many billboards highlighted, different, (laughs) you know, I'm just going, I have traveled this road how many times and I've never had billboards just stick out. And there are several messages um, that he had for us along the road when we were God said here's your sign (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was hilarious we got to laughing at we got to laughing at at how God but 
But yet now, there, I, I think there are certain times when he'll, I mean, like, he'll st- speak to you through vision or, and now it's like, man, that still small voice, he's really, you know, for a long time I was going, man, God, I don't feel like I'm hearing you. I don't, and then all of a sudden he's going, well, didn't you, you know, it's, it's really learning the still, small voice and the stillness of that voice that, that just, it's not billowing or it's not a vision or it's not a, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the still. And then seeing it confirmed, I'm going, oh, you're teaching me, you know, more about just the stillness of your voice now, you know. That's pretty and cool. And so it's it? pretty cool how... He's just, he teaches you different aspects of how he speaks to you. Isn't it cool? Because let me tell you something. Becky uses a phrase, different aspects of the way he speaks to us. God speaks to us in a myriad of ways. Who's ever got, does this, for me, one of the biggest ways God speaks to me is mental images, pictures. Like I could pray for Kelly and God will give me a picture. And I start describing the picture to her. You don't know how many times I've done that. And people just break and cry because it's so is right where they're at in their life. You know what I mean? It it might be like, I just prayed for a guy the other night and and it was um, a Jeep that was climbing up a mountain and there was some snow. The weather kept changing and there was a whole bunch. And the picture was very, very clear. It's just like, it's only a moment, but you saw the whole picture. You start describing that and he's breaking and crying because it was speaking about his life and some of the things. And we talked about some of the struggles that he'd been going through and it was very, very clear in the picture, right? Does anybody understand when I say that? Do y'all get pictures? Because God speaks to me in word pictures all the time. And I, I've kind of taught this before, but I ate a bunch of crayons when I was a kid. So now the words, the pictures are in color. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, so as, you, as you see those pictures and they're unfolding in your life, but God speaks to us sometimes through mental images. Sometimes God will speak to us. You're, you're talking with somebody and in their conversation, they have no idea that this is important to you or what's going on in your life. And all of a sudden through their conversation, God just takes a piece of that conversation and so applies it right to where you're at. It's just, and they had no idea. They don't even know that God's using them, but through that, it's now exploded. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a billboard. It could be a billboard. You're driving down the road and God highlights parts of that. You know what I mean? It's like amazing. It's like, oh my gosh, God, that's so cool. And so, sometimes it, it'll be, can, who's, who's ever been in bed? And some, somebody said it here just a little bit ago, but it's like a scripture verse just comes in your head. Linda, you said that. It's like a, a chapter and verse. Like I know you said Hebrews 11, right? Um, Hebrews 11, 16. And all of a sudden now you're turning to Hebrews eleven sixteen, and it so speaks to you. Sometimes it might be that, watch this, you've been praying about a certain thing and you turn the TV and John Hagee's preaching about the very thing that you were, and you go, wow, that is so cool. And then a half hour later, you turn to another channel and it's Jensen Franklin and he's preaching the same thing. And you're like, God, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like pretty cool, you know, because that's happened to me. That's all those kind of things will happen to us. All those kind of things will happen. Buddy, come on over. But, but where we're at in that, come to Kelly. Uh, what, what will happen in all those things is there's a myriad of ways that God chooses to speak to us. Who's ever, you're just reading your Bible. You're just in the Word. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, uh, you're reading, you're reading, you're reading. And all of a sudden, words start just jumping off the page. You know what I mean when I say words start jumping off the page? Like they don't jump off the page. But you just, wow, and it just seems like they're bigger than life. And all of a sudden, it's really, it's just speaking volumes to you about where you're at in your life. Yeah. Go ahead, hon. I have two things that I need to share. Um, 
I have a really dear friend of mine who is struggling really, really hard with um, her relationship with God, and she's come to me, and God has just used me to bring people to Him. Um, mm -hmm. And I invited her to go to Joyce Myers with me in August. Um, she thought I had said something totally different, and she agreed to go. And then she was telling people what she was doing. They're like, you do know who that is, right? And once she realized who it was, she's like, oh, what I get myself into? But she went anyway. Mm -hmm. We were talking on the way about um, gluttony and, and our eating struggles and stuff like that um, and about the world and, and how horrible it's getting. And Joyce Myers confirmed everything that we were talking about on the way there. And we just kept looking at each other like, oh, my gosh. Isn't it like, cool? That is so much confirmation for both of us. Right. Um, and then yesterday, um, someone was talking about they let God direct their driving. Okay, I was driving, I was leaving here and I was driving back home. Um, and I was going through New Oxford and me and my son may be moving in together and moving to New Oxford. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. And he told me to turn. I'm like, maybe this is what they were talking about. So I said, okay, I'm gonna turn. So I turned and like I said, okay, now where do you want me to go? Is this you? <laughs> and right. you know, so like I would read a star sign and I would turn and like I went into this like circle and I'm like, are you sending me to a house that's for rent or something? Um, and they were all for sale, so I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So I kept going and I come back around to the next street that would have been if I kept on um, York Road and there was a for rent sign in this duplex. Um, neighborhood. I'm like, okay, is this where I'm supposed to move? Uh -huh. So I called, no one answered, but I'm going to call again. Okay. Um, <laughs> you got the number. Okay. So, uh, that was pretty cool. It, it is pretty cool. Actually, when, when Pastor Lori and I moved from Dover over this way, it's exactly what happened. She jumped in her car and started driving. So Lord, where do you want us? She started driving. And as she drove around, she went down this street and that street and over to the other street. And there's a guy putting a sign up in the yard while she's driving by. We ended up renting the house. It's just a really, really cool deal. You know what I mean? And, and it's just a way that God orchestrates things. It's pretty cool. And I honestly believe that, I just believe God wants to be involved in every area of our life. And he wants to speak to us. And the, for, the, for me, what I'm going to tell you is this. There was a point where I thought, God, if you want to speak to us, why don't you just write it in a book? Y'all got that, right? <laughs> okay, y'all got that, right? Like he did, okay? And the most trustworthy way he can speak to us is through his word. You know what I mean? And, and that's part of it. I love what David said. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know what I mean? That's a huge thing. Let his word be so saturated in our heart because, and I got to say this, is this, please hear this, but the more of this you can get into your heart, I got you. The more of this you can get into your heart, the more this Holy Spirit has to work with. Right? There's a place where we get, where we get saturated in this because the Bible says he'll, he'll bring all things to our remembrance, but how I many know you've got to read it to remember it? You've got to get it to remember it. You know what I mean? So there's a place where we just got to saturate ourselves in this word because the more of it we have in us, the more he can pull out of us. It gives him something to work with. You know what I mean? I, that's what I think is huge. There's a place where I just got to, God, I want to get your word in me. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I think over and over, that's probably the way God speaks to me more than any other. A familiar verse will light up in my spirit. You know what I mean? All of a sudden then, and if you're like, if some of you are like that, if, you, if you've got a lot of the word in you, one verse comes to mind and all of a sudden then it triggers the next verse and the next verse and all of a sudden then that stuff's just kind of and it, it it almost 
It just races ahead and all these scriptures are coming and all of a sudden now you're finding, wow, this is what God's speaking to me in this moment of my life. But I find over and over that it's his word that's probably the most reliable. I'll talk to you about a whole bunch of things in the second half of the class. I'll talk to you about, uh, about some people that I've seen that, and I, I want to say it the right way, I had, a, had a young lady very close to, and I felt like, man, she really jeopardized her life over a word somebody gave her, and she jumped on it, ended up in disaster. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a place where we've got to find what's solid, what's true, what's, what's absolute. We're going to talk more about discerning the voice of God. We'll look at some Bible, some Bible uh, verses and some people in the scriptures that, that have discerned God's voice. And we'll talk about some real life experiences. Some that worked out really well, some we missed. Who's ever, come on, because we've missed God. And what do we do when we miss him? Okay, and we'll talk about that because that's a pretty simple answer. I'll bet you already know. Okay, <laughs> okay. but here's the deal. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back when the music plays and all the stuff happens that's supposed to happen, and then we'll hook up from there. Uh, but go ahead and take about 15 minutes, and then we'll get back, and uh, we'll start talking some more, and we'll just trace down the idea of discerning God's voice and hearing him. Watch this. In, even in the midst of the disasters that are going on around us, Maybe that's where we have the most difficulty hearing him. Okay? So we'll talk about that. All right? All right. Take a break. Voice of God. Who's ever heard God's voice and argued? (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you something about arguing with God. It's okay to argue with God. Just don't win the argument. <laughs> um, come on, we've, we've heard God's voice and then we bargained with Him. Come on, we've talked about all this stuff. God will tell you to do this, and you say, Well, okay, what, about, what if I just do this? <laughs> yeah, sometimes that doesn't work out so well. But we, we have a tendency you prayed and you heard God. And you prayed and God said ABC and you didn't like it. So you went to somebody and said, hey, pray about this. <laughs> Hoping that they were going to hear something different than you heard. Come on, we've done it. There comes a point where I, and God spoke to my heart about this really, really strong. He's looking for radical obedience. Amen. That was the phrase God spoke to my heart. Radical obedience. I love that phrase. Radical obedience. And, and to me, it even, it even generates an immediate response. Do you know, you, know, you know what I mean when I say that? Radical obedience generates an immediate response. Like God said, do this. Okay, fine, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Watch this. Who's ever heard God and it made absolutely no sense, but you knew you needed to do it? Like, isn't that something? Like, that's a real challenge. Can I tell you a neat story? I had an evangelist with me. A guy's name was Tom Stein. Tom's a good friend. We're driving down the road. I'm in a van. I'm driving my van. It's my van. And I'm driving. And uh, I pulled over to a house because God said, pull over. And I knew it's one of those moments where you didn't even wonder, God, is that you? Because we do that sometimes, right? It wasn't even like I wondered, God, is that you? I just pulled over. It was a brick rancher. And, and Tom said, are we stopping here? I said, yeah, we're stopping at this house, Tom. And he said, is this somebody that goes to your church? I said, no. He said, oh, is this somebody you know? I said, no, I don't even know who lives here. He said, what? I said, I have no idea, but I know we're supposed to go pray for somebody in that house. And he looked at me. He said, are you okay? Because Tom's not used to that. I just knew we needed to stop there. 
I knew we needed to pray. So I, he said, well, Don, who lives here? I said, Tom, I don't know who lives here. I just know we need to go pray. He said, okay, let's go. Because Tom's ready to go. Okay, if you're hearing God, let's go see that. And he's got enough confidence in me that this is God. We knock on the door. A little lady comes to the door. And I introduce myself to her. And I said, listen, I said, this is probably going to sound absolutely off the wall. I said, please, don't be afraid. But I'm just telling you, I'm a pastor. I'm a local pastor. And God spoke to my heart that we ought to stop here and pray. Is there a need that you have that we can pray with you about? She starts crying. My husband's in the bed. He can't get up. Every time he gets up, the whole house is spinning. Who knows? He's got vertigo. They don't know he's got vertigo, but I'm thinking he's got vertigo. But I'm thinking Jesus is bigger than vertigo. And she said, and she's crying because she says, I know God sent you. I said, yeah, I felt that in my heart. And Tom's looking at me going, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so, so now we go in, we pray for the man. The glory of God fills the house and the man gets out of the bed. It's just an amazing moment. But at that moment, what God was speaking to my heart about was radical obedience. Are you willing to obey me even when it seems like it's way off the wall? You got what I'm saying? My sheep, what? Hear my voice. So there's a place where we got to hear God's voice. That's important that we don't ever miss that. Here's what I think. He calls himself the word. I think he's got something to say. He wrote a book this thick. (laughs) He's still speaking. It hasn't changed. It's here. God wants to speak. He wants you to hear him. It's a real clear thing. I mean, there's a place where we just go, God, we've got to get there and hear you, okay? So this is it, man. There's a lot of voices out there. And I got to say this, it can be incredibly confusing, especially for a new convert. A lot of voices. Some of us have been saved a long time, still hearing a lot of voices because there's a lot of voices. It's not like there's, wouldn't it be great if you got saved and then the only voice you heard was God? Like, let's write a, let's, let's sign a pool. We'll get a petition. We'll send it to God. God, make all the other voices stop. Wouldn't that be great if all the other voices just stopped and all you heard was God and all day long, God could just tell you what to do and you'd do it. (laughs) Yeah. Except for one thing. That'll never happen in this millennium. There may be another reign called the millennial reign where there won't be all the other voices. be almost like heaven. (laughs) Here's the deal. As long as you're in the world, watch this. He gives us all the tools and everything that we need, right? To walk this thing out. Who knows what is 2 Corinthians 10 probably starts about verse 4. The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that vaunteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many know you've got all the tools that you need, right? We're hearing these things. We're going to hear other voices. You bring those thoughts into captivity and you follow the voice of God. So there's a place there. There's a lot out there, okay? Let me say this. God's voice will always reveal his mind, his will, his heart, and his nature. God's voice will always reveal his mind, his will, his heart, and his nature. That becomes really, really incredible. From the very beginning, if you went to Genesis chapter 1, and you studied out Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, you know what you're going to find over and over? And God said. Right? And God said, let there be light. What happened? There was light. And then, and God said, let there be, let there be the waters covering, the, and then, and then the, the, the firmament separated from the waters. 
And guess what happened? It separated. And everything happened. And God said, what happened? God's voice was, re- was revealing his purpose. God's purposes were revealed through his voice. He still does that. So over and over, we can, we can read this. I mean, if Genesis 1, 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, verse 26, verse 29. You know what they all say? And God said. And God said. So, so I think God's voice produces what he wants. So if we're going to see what God wants on the earth, we've got to hear his voice. Does that make sense? We've got to let his voice produce what he wants. That's huge to me. We can't produce what he wants if we don't hear him. So the church as a whole needs to be hearing God's voice. That makes sense? To produce what he wants on the earth. Because isn't it amazing he could do it a myriad of ways, but he chooses to do it through us? Yes. Does that ever baffle you like it baffles me? Do you ever, have you ever gone through that whole thing where, God, why'd you pick me? <laughs> Aren't you glad God doesn't just use the educated? Good gravy. <laughs> He doesn't just use the educated. He doesn't just use the, you know, the, the great orators. I had some people come to me and said, now the school you're doing, is it, is it fully accredited? I mean, will it, will it? I said, you're kidding me, right? They said, well, couldn't it get accredited? I said, yeah, except for one problem. None of the teachers ever been to school. <laughs> I went through my whole staff and realized there's nobody on my staff that spent one day in college. And I'm not, and, and, yeah, and listen, don't hear that wrong. I'm not taking that. I'm not taking away from education because I, I encourage education, encourage our kids to get educated. So please don't hear it the wrong way. But whether it's, whether it's myself, Pastor Dan, Todd, Pastor Rick, Pastor Dave, Lisa, I can go through everybody that was licensed to us, I think, and it is quite a bit of them. And I don't think any of us have been to school. Well, I went to Holy Ghost University. <laughs> I tell people, I I get asked all the time, where'd you go to school? I said, Holy Spirit University. They said, really? I said, yep, majored in neology. (laughs) Yeah, because neology is a good thing to major in. (laughs) And they go, oh, and walk away, and it works. (laughs) But but in the process of that, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's there's a place where we just, well, we've got to hear God's voice because that's what makes the difference. The church as a whole needs to be hearing God's voice. And watch this, when you start, can I say this, in the, in the, even in the, in the, I'm going to say this, in the church world, when you start talking like hearing the voice of God, well, I was, I was starting the Lord, and the Lord was saying to me the other day, and you'll get pastors that'll look at you like you're weird. And you almost have, you almost feel like you, you can't even say that, like it wouldn't be politically correct. Isn't it a sad day when the church is more concerned about being politically correct than we are about hearing God's voice? Come on, we got to hear. I, I got news for you. Satan is not afraid of you having a good political view. He owns that system. Oh, said that out loud. Okay. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. I believe Satan trembles that as a Christian that hears the voice of God. Do you understand what I just said? There's a place where you've got to be able to discern and walk this thing out. The voice of God, just hearing and walking in the voice of God. We got to know our Father's voice. Go with me to Genesis 12. Let me show you something I think is kind of cool. We're going to talk about a few things here. Go to Genesis chapter 12. I preached on some of this not too long ago. In Genesis chapter 12, I want to show you this. First four verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I'll show you. And I'll make of you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless you, curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Everybody see that? You want to know one of the really incredible things about this? God says to Abram, I want you to get up and get out of your country, get away from your father's house, get away from your father's kin. To understand the heritage of the day, families stayed together, they didn't separate. As a matter of fact, the strength of the family was often determined by the number of the family. Now, one of the things you've got to understand is this. If you understand history, Abram was one of the richest men in the world. He was one of the greatest men in the world. He was from an incredible family with incredible wealth. And God said, I want you to get up and move away from all that. How many know if God tells you he wants you to move to another side of the world, it's a lot easier to move if you're living in a trailer park with a little bit of nothing than it is to move away from a $6 million mansion. Anybody understand what I just said? Don't hear that the wrong way. Nothing wrong with living. I've lived in a lot of trailers and a lot of trailer parks. But the idea behind it is, is that it's easier to walk away from a little than it is to walk away from a lot. Make sense? Right? God tells you to leave your job, but you're, you're working as a cashier at Rudders. It might not be as hard as it is if you're the, the CEO of a bank. You understand what I just said? There's a place where you just step out in faith. Abram is stepping out in faith to walk away from because God said, and he heard God's voice. There's a place where we've got a purpose in our own heart. I'm going to hear God's voice, and I'm going to do what? Immediate obedience, even if it's radical. God, I want to obey you. That's huge to me. So watch this. Abram is hearing God, and he's following God. What did God say? He said, I'm going to bless you. And you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you, what? To be a blessing. That's pretty blessed. When you're blessed to be a blessing, how many know you're only blessed to be a blessing? Right? But that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big thing for him. J- jump over to chapter 15. Let me show you a couple of things. We're just going to talk about it real quick. Okay? Oh, at the end of that fourth verse that I just read, did anybody read ahead and find out that Abraham was how old? How old was he? How old? He's 75 years old. What? So how many know 75 is pretty old? Yeah. At this point, men are living to be about 120. You okay with that? Mm-hmm. I know that because it said so earlier. Okay? Watch this. In Genesis 15, I want you to show you, show you this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's a good word. How many know it's a good day when God says, Hey, I'll be your shield. I'll be your reward. That's not a bad day when God speaks that to you. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. Here's the deal. I want you to understand this. So I'll, I'll break it down a little more in just a minute. I'll read a couple more verses. But Abram's idea was, I need descendants that are going to follow after me if I'm going to pass on an inheritance. How many know? The inheritance goes to the children. But if you don't have any kids, where's your inheritance go? Well, it's got to go to somebody in your house. Eliezer's the chief steward of the house, the chief servant of the house. So he steps into that position, right? And then it's his kids. Your inheritance would pass to him because it's got to pass to somebody. So it's going to be a household thing. That would have been the avenue of the day. Okay, so he's got no children. He was 75 in chapter 12. He's now a little older, right? Let's keep reading. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This will not be your heir, but he that will come forth out of your own bowels will be your heir. 
And he brought them forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. As many as the stars. He said, Look up, man. Look up. He was looking down. God said, Look up. Isn't that a good word? Sometimes we walk around like this. Oh, I'm not being blessed. I'm not. Be-. Look up, man. Don't look down. Look up. He was feeling sorry for himself. God said, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Look up. See the stars in the sky? That's how many, that's how many the number of your descendants are going to be. How many know that's a, lot of, that's a lot of stars in the sky? Now watch this. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. Abram's now maybe 80 couple. But he's believing God. God, if you said I'm going to have a kid, I'm going to have a kid. That's a pretty good day. Right? Now, you've got to understand something. When Abram was 75, Sarah was 65. Now, if Abraham's 82, guess what? Sarah's 72. Who do you know that's in their mid-70s? I want you to picture them pregnant. That just scared you, didn't it? <laughs> Come on, who's got a 70-year-old grandma? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You just got a visual and it didn't feel good. <laughs> That's that whole mental image. Did you eat crayons? No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But here's the deal, man. I mean, picture this, right? Abram is believing God. He's a God. If you said it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be, right? Now watch this, okay? So he believed God. Go over to chapter 16. I want to show you this. Is God speaking to Abram? Is Abram hearing God? Absolutely. God's speaking, Abram's here, and he's radical obedience, right? Right, go to chapter 16. Now, Sarah, Sarai, at this point her name hasn't been changed, Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children, but she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose, hand, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Anybody see that? That's a sad day. I'm going to walk you through this. Keep reading. Sarai, Abram's wife, Abram's wife took Hagar, her handmaid, the maid, the, the maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So at this point now, he's how old? If he was 75, now he's 85, right? Everybody see that? And gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Everybody say, I want to talk to you about this. God had a plan. He revealed his plan to Abram. It didn't happen fast enough, so what happened? Sarai made another plan. Abram had been in radical obedience. Watch this. Get up out of your land. Get away from your father's house. Get away from your country and your kin. And go to a place where I'm going to tell you. Didn't even tell him where he was going. Just said, go. I'll tell you when you get there. Right? Everybody knows that, right? Radical obedience, right? He does that. Now, here it is. He's hearing God's voice. God's saying, look up, Abram. Abram says, what are you going to do for me? I'm going childless. I don't even have a kid. Is, it going, is my inheritance going to go to Eliezer, the, steward of, the chief steward of my house? No, I'm going to give you a look up in the sky. That's how many descendants you're going to have out of your bowels, not you and Hagar, you and Sarah, right? It's out of his bowels is his first wife. It's Sarah. It's going to be his, to, to her. There was no other wife at that point. God gave him a promise. 
But what happened was Sarah come along with another idea, and all of a sudden, he's now heeding the voice of Sarai rather than heeding the voice of God. Why? Because at this point in his life, it's getting to the place where God's voice doesn't make sense. So we come up with plan B. How many know when God has plan A, there is no plan B? Please hear that. When God has plan A, don't make plan B. All too often, on our timetable, plan A isn't happening fast enough. One of the things I teach a lot is this. God's not in a hurry. You are. If you were eternal, you wouldn't be in a hurry either. <laughs> Come on, God had no beginning. Has no end. I can't even fathom now. I can get this whole no end thing. I'm, I'm really struggling with the whole no beginning thing. Y'all okay with that, right? I mean, who, which of you understands God had no beginning? Because I need a class. You understand no beginning? Because that's hard to understand. No beginning. Everything I understand that is had a beginning except for God. He had no beginning. All I know is in the beginning, God. It's a faith thing. I just trust God by faith. There's, God had no beginning. So he's not in a hurry. But Abram's getting older. Sarah's getting older. Now she comes up with plan B. And all of a sudden, Hagar conceives that an Ishmael is born. Let me teach you something. They're still fighting over that right now. The whole Middle East conflict is all go, it can stem back to this moment in time. This moment in time creates what we're still fighting over 4,000 years later. Is because of Ishmael and Isaac. It's still the battle between the two sons. I don't know if you all understand that or not, but I'm, I know exactly what I'm talking about, and I can walk you through it all. But everything that's going on in the Middle East right now, Iran, Iraq, the whole deal with, with Israel and, and all the Middle East conflict stems back to, to Genesis chapter 16. Okay? This is huge. Okay? What happens? Drop down to verse 15. And Hagar bare Abram a son. And Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So a year later, she conceives. He's now 86 years old. Everybody okay with what I just said? He's now 86 years old. He's got the son that he thought was promised. But how many know it was a counterfeit? Does everybody understand what I just said? It was a counterfeit. Do you understand that the devil tries to create a counterfeit by, by, by trying to mask the voice of God? Come up with a better plan. Come up with another idea. See, that's why Jesus says a stranger's voice they will not follow. There's a stranger's voice out there that's constantly speaking, and it's up to us to understand this. This was a counterfeit, okay? What I, what I want to tell you, drop over to chapter 17. I want to show you this is strong stuff. When Abram was 99, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That's strong. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Drop down to about verse 15. Okay? God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. I'll bless her, give you a son also of her. Yea, I'll bless her, and she'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And Abram fell upon his face and laughed. And said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abram said, O God, that Ishmael might live before thee. Everybody see that? 
He had heard God, but he had listened to Sarah. Remember a little while ago I said, don't let somebody talk you out of what God's trying to talk you into? Anybody see that? Don't let somebody talk you out of what God's trying to talk. God is telling Abram, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And what's he saying here? Right here he's saying, oh God. He laughed. This is the man who's been hearing God for what now? 24 years. Come on, 24 years ago he left everything and God sustained him and kept him and made his name great. And he's been blessed. And the only thing I hasn't has had this child yet. But I mean, God's hand's been upon him. And throughout the discourse of the 24 years you can read through Genesis, he is talking with God on a regular basis. But now God told him something that seemed impossible to Abraham. And Abraham laughs. We preached for years how when God spoke and, and said Sarah's going to have a son, and Sarah laughed, and then she said she didn't laugh. I mean, come on. We'll read that in just a minute if you want to. But the fact is, is we talk about Abraham laughed. Says so right here. Because what he felt God saying was preposterous. I'm 100 years old. You really think I'm going to have children? Can I tell you something really, really neat? Maybe I don't know if some of you know this or not. You got to read the end of the book of Genesis. Because about 17 years later, Sarah dies after, after Isaac's born. Do you know that Abraham remarries a woman named Keturah and has six more kids? That's pretty cool. Y'all know that? Read the end of the book, man. It's in there. Don't wait for the movie. Read the book. It's really cool. Okay? But he marries a woman. Her name's Keturah, and he has six children to her. Woo-hoo. That's pretty amazing to me. Abraham was 100 years old and he's going to conceive Isaac. Isn't that a neat thing? I want you to see this. Just follow this just for a minute if we can. Look at verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. This counterfeit, Ishmael, has got Abraham messed up. Do you realize that Hagar bare a child could have been a girl? Come on, there's a 50-50 chance of it being a girl. If it's a girl, we know it's not the promised seed. If she's going to get pregnant, if it's going to happen, couldn't God have just made a girl? Then we'd have known he's not the promised seed. There would have been no trouble here. Right? But how many know the counterfeit looks like the original? Come on, it looks like the original. You've you got to catch this. This is so strong to me. Because I gotta tell, I want to say this. There's a place where we discern the peace of God in our heart. We're hearing God's voice. There's a peace that comes with that. And we're following after the real deal. There's so many things out there that are vying for your attention. There's a place where we purpose in our heart. I'm going to hear God. I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to follow a counterfeit. That's really, really strong to me. There's a place where we've got to hear him. The, the real deal is God's speaking, and we've got to ask ourselves, are we listening? Can I show you something just a little bit farther in this? And this, this is just huge. God tells Abram, you and Sarah are going to have a child. He's now 100 years old. He's saying, God, that Ishmael might live before you. But God rebukes him and speaks to him. And he realizes, and how many know at this point, he grabs a hold of the promise. How do you know that? Because once Abram got the promise, and please hear this the right way, he had to act on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Come on. 
Once he knew, because God's going to send some people and tell him a year from now, you're, you're, a year from now, because the Lord shows up at the camp. You all know this, right? This is Genesis 19 stuff, Genesis 18, 19. He shows up at Abram's camp. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but God's going to speak to him. You and Sarah are going to bear. You're going to conceive. You're going to have a child, right? And he, realized, he comes to a place where he grips a hold of this, and when he grips a hold of this, he realizes this is God. We're going to have a child. But how many know he is not waiting for an immaculate conception? Abram got to do something with this. I'm on picture Abram. He's 100 years old. He's coming into the tent. He's looking at Sarah at 90. And he got a twinkle in his eye. He's singing, tonight's the night. Going to be all right. <laughs> come on. Abram. <laughs> and Sarah's like, get out of here, you old man. You <laughs> Okay, come on. Because women didn't change. And anyway, in the process, <laughs> okay, okay, in the process of all that, okay, there's a place where Abram has to act on it. It's not just going to happen. You all right with that? Yeah. But he's got to believe God. <laughs> Sometimes God will give you a promise, but you've got to put some legs to the promise. That's right. <laughs> Did you ever picture Noah? God says it's going to rain, build a boat. Like Noah's could be sitting on the stump saying, why don't you just say boat B? <laughs> Come on, God could have just said boat B and there'd have been a boat, ark B, and there'd have been an ark there, right? But it didn't. How long did it take Noah to build this boat? Do you know? Does anybody know? That's 120 years. Isn't that amazing? For 120 years, he's building a boat that God could have just spoken into existence in a moment. Right? Come on. But he's got to put some legs to his faith. And he's preaching the whole time. People's got to hear the word. This is a strong day to me. This is a strong thing. So we're hearing this. We're understanding this. There's a place where, watch this, you've got to put some legs on your promise. Abram couldn't just sit back and wait for it to happen. Noah didn't just sit back and wait for an ark to appear. God told him, go for wood. Never mind. There's a place where you've got to hear the voice of God. Y'all getting that? We've got to hear the voice of God. How long were the Israelites in bondage? 400 years, they're slaves in Egypt. What set them free? The voice of God. God speaks from a burning bush. Come on, they're in bondage till they hear the voice. There's a voice of God that speaks from a... Do you ever picture Moses on the backside of the desert and a bush is on fire and all of a sudden the bush is having a conversation with him? Does this stuff freak you out? Because <laughs> I read this stuff. This is very, very real to me. All this, and I'm reading this. I'm reading Moses on the backside of the desert, and he sees a bush that's burning, and he says, I will now look upon this sight because it's freaking me out. That's the way I read that. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? Because, come on, there's a bush on fire, but it's not burning up. And all of a sudden now, there's a voice that starts speaking from the bush. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground, man. Whoa, I'm jumping out of my sandals. Right? Come on. And it's like, whoa. It's real. But they were in bondage for 400 years till they heard a voice. Anybody understand what I just said? There's a whole lot of the church that's still in bondage because they're not hearing the voice. And there's a place where we've got to hear the voice of God. Because I can tell you, can I say this? You can be surrounded by amazing people that are hearing the voice of God, but guess what? You've got a right to hear too. So Linda said something a little while ago, and I, I want to just so touch on this. Is I, I think we hear God's voice a lot more than we realize. Sometimes we're hearing God's voice. We just got to discern, hey, that's you, God. Amen. 
Because watch it. I believe hearing the voice of God is like exercising a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Sometimes I just got to acknowledge, God, that's you. You're speaking to me. So I'm in my devotions. Who gets devotions? Do any of you get devotions? I've had, I've had teachers that have come along and preached against the idea of doing morning devotions because it becomes mechanical. I'm thinking, that's ridiculous. Don't you dare talk that way. I'll slap you. Watch this. Because when we start teaching somebody, well, I'm not doing morning devotions because I don't want to get caught up in the mechanics, then that tells me you have absolutely no discipline. How many know if you're going to be a disciple, the root word of discipline is disciple. There's a discipline for morning devotions. There's a discipline for your prayer time. I don't want it to be mechanical, but I do want to have some disciplines in my life. Every great man of God you study was disciplined. I promise you. So I get my phone, and on my, on my phone is my morning devotion. I get a morning devotion every morning on my phone. It's called Seeds of the Kingdom. So I'll open up my phone, and I'm, I'm there, and I'll be reading. And it's not a real deep thing, but it's a seed in my mind that now God can work with. So I take it, and I start running with it, and I'm in different places and things and just thinking about it, and it gives me a place to meditate on the day. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So in the process of that, and this is what's really, really cool, is that as you're dealing with those kind of things, it's now God's speaking. Because what happens is I'm now chasing one scripture after another in my mind. It all came from a little seed that was started through that thought, but now God's speaking to me through the thought. Y'all follow what I just said, right? And as these thoughts continue to permeate, God's speaking to me, and all of a sudden, then there's a place of revelation. All of a sudden, you're in the shower, and <gasps> okay, because there's a place where you just, and, it, it gets, and, and the awe comes to you. God's speaking. We might have thought it was just our own thought process, but how many understand God was putting the thoughts there? Y'all get that, right? God speaks to us in a myriad of ways. You're reading in your Bible and you read seven verses, but then when you got to the eighth verse, all of a sudden the eighth verse jumped off the page. God was speaking. He's finding a way to communicate to your heart about some things that are going on in your life. All of a sudden, you read that and you, who's done this? You read the verse 913 times, but on the 914th time that you read that verse, it went, and the light came on and you thought, wow, I never saw it like that before. Guess what? That's him. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's more than just your good idea. It's God communicating to you. The The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord and he'll light it. That's in Job. I love this. There's a place where God continues to speak to us and we just got to learn to discern to hear him. And the more we hear him, the stronger that's going to get. Go to 2 Samuel. Let's study, let's study Samuel for just a minute. 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, I said 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's look, I think it starts in chapter 3 and we'll just run that chapter. The child Samuel ministered under the Lord before Eli. 1 Samuel 3. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Watch this. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. What's it saying? People weren't hearing from God like they needed to. Why do you think people weren't hearing from God? You think God didn't want to speak anymore? He was mad? God got an attitude? Fine, if you guys aren't going to hear me, I'm not talking. Did God withdraw himself from Israel because of their sin? 
Did Israel separate themselves from God? How many know? You can separate yourself from God. Because of their wickedness, because of their, of their continual spiritual adultery, that's what I want to call it. They were worshiping idols. They were following after things that weren't of him. They were, they were chasing things that they didn't. Come on. You got a purpose in your life. What are you going to chase? That's a big word right there. That just rises up in my spirit really strong. You got a purpose in your life. What are you going to chase? I believe you're here because you're chasing God. You wouldn't be here if you weren't chasing God. But there's a, there's a thing, and I want to say this. As you're chasing God, how many know there's 7,000 things that are trying to distract you from your pursuit? Is it more than that? It could be. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of things. Come on, because it could be easy, and it would be very easy for any one of you to be anywhere else today. You could be somewhere else today. It would be easy to say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I got this going on, I got that going on, I got this going on, I got that going on, and there's a thousand things that would vie for your attention, but you've purposed in your heart, I am in pursuit of God. I've set this time aside in my life, and I am pursuing Him for everything that's in me. One of the biggest heart cries for me as a pastor is that when the classes are all said and done, you keep pursuing God. And how can we help facilitate you continuing to pursue God? So that we didn't go through a time frame where it felt really, really good, but then we settled back. That's what I was talking about earlier. I don't want to settle back into business as usual. Y'all follow what I'm saying? There's a place where we just say, hey, I'm going to continue to pursue this thing. At this point, the voice of God was precious, meaning it, when I want to read that in the King James, the voice of God was precious. It means it, wasn't se- it was seldom heard, and there was no open vision. Read this. Let's keep reading. It came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place, he went to bed. His eyes began to wax dim. He couldn't see, right? And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here am I, for you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lay down, boy. And he went and laid down. Let's stop there. Samuel heard God's voice. I believe at this point it was an audible voice. Who believes it was audible? I think it probably was. Anybody here ever hear the audible voice of God? I mean, you heard God speak audibly. Several of you? I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've been around a lot of people who have. I think it's pretty amazing. Don't ever discount what God does in somebody else's life just because he didn't do it in yours. Y'all hear what I said? That's a good word right there. Sometimes we felt like, well, God doesn't do that because he never did it to me. I believe he does do it. He never did it to me, but I believe he does. I believe there's a lot of people that hear God's audible voice. I think sometimes we're looking for an audible voice and we've got it so characterized that if God did speak audibly, we might not know it was him in the first place. Because we think God speaks something like Charlton Heston. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Um, Really, really, really old actor. Played Moses in a lot of the movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten Commandments. I think if God's voice was audible, it'd sound more like Sean Connery, don't you? I love his voice. Or James Earl Jones. I'm not sure which. Yeah. God speaks to Samuel and he thinks it's Eli. And he runs over to Eli. And when he runs over to Eli, he says, Eli, what'd you want? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lay down, boy. So Samuel goes and lays down. Why? Because he's not used to hearing the voice of God. It's not familiar to him. 
Can I tell you one of the really, 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 really cool things about Samuel? I want you to see this. This is what, this is what I'm trying to bring out in this. At this point in his life, Samuel has no idea what the voice of God sounds like. But how many know he goes on to be one of the greatest characters of the Old Testament? Why? Because he got a place where he got familiar with the voice of God. Once he became familiar with the voice of God, God could use him all over the place. Do y'all follow what I just said? But there came a place where he had to familiarize himself with the voice of God. That becomes so valuable. Because the more familiar I get with his voice, the more I can distinguish his voice from all the other voices. Right? I could put 18 of you ladies in a room that I'd be on the other side of a wall and you could all speak. And if one of you is Pastor Lori, there's no problem hearing her voice. Because I'm familiar with it. I know her voice. I've been listening to it for years. There's a place where you distinguish that voice above every other voice. It's the same thing with God. The more, the more time you spend with him, the more you familiarize yourself with his voice, the more distinguished his voice becomes. It's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. Y'all follow where I'm at, right? At this point in his life, Samuel doesn't even have a clue that that was God speaking to him. How many of you have been several times in your life where God was speaking and you didn't have a clue it was him? Yeah. Let's read a little bit further. Keep reading, okay? Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. I missed it. I'm, I'm sorry. He, verse 6. And the Lord called yet again. I'm, I went straight into 7. I needed 6. The Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose, went to Eli, and he said, Here am I, for you did call me. He answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Second time, right? Now Samuel didn't know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. Do you think at this point Samuel thinks Eli's playing a game? I think he thinks Eli's playing a game. Why do you keep calling me? Then when I run over here, you tell me you didn't call me. There's only me and you here, man. Come on, you got to be the one talking. Why? Because he can't distinguish the voice of God. There's a place where you and I have got to get so clear that we're not letting the devil play a game. We've distinguished the voice of God. Bless you. But Eli, isn't it amazing that the voice of the Lord was precious. There was no open vision, and Eli was the high priest. How many know Eli's whole house was out of order? Yeah. He has two kids that are all messed up. Who are they? Yes, you got one? Hophni. Hophni and Phineas are his two sons. They're so messed up, they're offering all kinds of strange sacrifices, and they even take the Ark of the Covenant and lose it. There's a whole bunch of things. That's how Eli dies. I won't even get into all that. He fell, he fell off his throne and died, broke his neck because Hophni and Phinehas had lost the ark of God. Word got back to him and he fell over. I want to talk to you about this. Eli may be messed up, but he understands at this point, well, wait a minute. I think that's God speaking to you, boy. Read the next part of the verse. I'm going to show you something that I think is really cool. Okay? It's in the, it's in the rest of verse 8. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down. And it'll be if he calls you that you shall say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went, went and laid down in his place. 
And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'll do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. That's amazing to me. I want to talk to you about this because there's a couple of phrases. Did you catch that? Everyone that heareth. Who's ever read the book of Revelation and you read over and over, he that has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says, right? Why? Because the Spirit's talking. But you've got to have an ear to hear that. Maybe a really good prayer is, God, open my ears that I might hear. God, anoint my ears that I can hear you. Anoint my eyes that I might see you. I want to know what you're doing. Eli perceived. He said, you know what? And here's the neat thing. Isn't it amazing that Samuel's just a young child? And Eli doesn't get mad and say, wait a minute, I'm the high priest here. God doesn't speak to you. If he's going to speak to anybody, he's speaking to me. I'm the high priest. Anybody hear what I just said? Come on, sometimes, and I heard some of it even in some of the comments earlier, but sometimes those that are over us in the Lord think if God's going to speak to anybody, he ought to speak to me. Do you understand that? Like, how do you think you could hear something? You know what I think is amazing? On the day you got saved, you just as saved as the guy that was saved for 57 years. You're as much a son as he is. Y'all follow what I just said, right? Yeah. It's an amazing day, but I will tell you this. We see it over and over. And Pastor Dan's probably shared some of the testimonies, but a guy who wasn't even born again gets healed. All of a sudden now his whole heart shifted and he's got him laying hands on the next guy. And what's happening? God's flowing through him and the next guy's getting healed. You were saved for four minutes and you've already seen somebody's ear open. Isn't that an amazing day? But God does that stuff. I think it's awesome. So there's a place where, watch this, you can hear God, God can flow through you, God can use you. There's got to be a place. Here's the deal. In my identity as a son, I got to realize I have a father who wants to speak to me. If you get anything out of this today, understand this. As a child of God, you're his child. He wants to speak to you. As a matter of fact, he wants to tell you secrets. If you want to know the secrets of God, get in a secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Do you understand that? God wants to speak to you in the secret place. He wants to reveal secrets to you in the secret place. I, I tell you that because, honestly, what I believe is God is raising up a people that will model this thing. But it's a people that have to hear him. It's a people that have to hear him. It is so imperative for you to get to a place where you're hearing God. And, and, and please hear me when I say this. Do not beat yourself up if you don't think you're hearing him enough. Ask him, God, reveal yourself to me in a way like you never have before. Let me see you. Let me hear you. Let me know you better than I ever have. I promise you he'll visit you. But what I want to do is make you aware that there's a myriad of ways where God's going to speak to you. And it may not be on your bed in an audible voice like it was for Samuel. It probably won't be. I know a lot fewer people who have heard the voice of God audibly than I do that God speaks to on a regular basis, but it's in your heart. Because I believe this, what you've called intuition was really the Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
you understand what I just said? What you might have even thought was your own good idea was God going thump. <laughs> and you didn't even realize, but it was God speaking. Where do you think that idea came from? Heaven. It was God. And he spoke to you through a thought, through a vision, through an idea, through all kinds of different things. Come on, sometimes, sometimes God just shows you pictures in your mind. It's him. Don't discount that. Don't look for burning bushes. Don't expect thunder, lightning, and getting hit in the head with a brick. Because that hurts. <laughs> God probably won't whack you with a two-by-four. But I really believe that he'll speak to you in the quiet place. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. We're going to do something in just a minute. We're going to take some time. I got the opportunity to go to the ocean for a wedding, and when I was walking the ocean early in the morning, and it was cloudy, 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 totally cloudy and windy. Right. And I walked, and when I, when I, that's one of the times when I'll talk to God. And I sat down, and I said, God, just show me something unusual, just something, whatever, show me. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, if a seagull flies up, that's not going to be something. That's what happens at the beach. But it's totally cloudy. And I'm looking out, and there's some boats way out there, and I see sparkle on the water. I see a, a stretch of sparkle, a little sparkle circle out there on the water. And I look up, and the sun has, is the clouds have gone away from the sun a certain distance, just a certain distance. And what was amazing was I'm looking at the sun, I'm looking at the water, there's nobody around. It's early, early morning. And that happened within five, ten minutes after saying, God, show me something. And within less than five or ten minutes, it was totally gone. The sun did not come out for another two or three hours. Okay. And I went, whoa, whoa, thank you, God. Like, I was like, is that for me? Did somebody else see this? <laughs> like, somebody else has to see this. But it was like, whoa. I, and I, I keep saying, God, keeps, I keep wanting to paint a picture of it. It's just like sure because it spoke to you in an incredible way oh of of your of your heavenly Father's love. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about this because I think it gets really really important. There's a place where we're hearing God. You have the right and the ability to hear God. Can I say this? I'm gonna say something kind of strong. Hear it in the right way. You owe it to the people around you to hear God. You owe it to the people around you to hear God. Because we've got to model this thing. I'm telling you, God's raising up a model. I really believe this. So watch this. Have you ever gone to pray for somebody and God just downloaded a bunch of stuff? And you began to pray that over them and now they're broken. How would you know? And it's just so gone. And all it is is you're releasing the love of the Father over them. And he's flowing through you and you're becoming a conduit. And the reason you can is because you're hearing God. Do you understand what I just said? It's amazing. It just touches people in an amazing way. There's a myriad of ways that happens. But there's a place where we open up our heart and God flows through that. But God so wants to speak to you. I just want to take away, and I want to say this. You hear what she said? It's a simple thing. The sky opened, the sun came down. God just poured out his love, closed the sky back up, and it continued to rain. Y'all follow that, right? Or continue to be cloudy and dismal, whatever. But it was just a momentary thing. I don't even know how long ago it was. All I know is it made an incredible impact. You could hear it in her voice that it still impacts her today. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
That's huge. God so wants to speak to us. He so wants to share his love with us. He so wants wants to move through us. And there's a place where we say, God, I just so want to discern your voice and hear you and know you for my own personal growth, for the love of my family around me, for the people that I'm in contact with on a regular basis, for the people that that you want to flow through me so I can just be a conduit. Here's a great prayer. God, let me be an open gate and let heaven flow through me. That's so real for where we're at today. Do you understand that Eli became heaven's gate for Israel? I'm sorry. Eli speaks to Samuel to give Samuel that place where he's now positioned himself for God to flow through him. Well, how did it happen? Speak, my Lord. Your servant's ready to hear you. Anybody see that? What an incredible prayer. What an incredible prayer. Eli, watch this, is a mess. He's been a coward. I'm not even going to go into all that. There's a whole lot I could preach on that. But there's a place here where he's in that, and he's in such a mess. But at this moment, he is now empowering the next generation. And Samuel's ready to step up to the plate. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if that messes with you. That really touches me. But he just actually empowered Samuel to be in a position where God's going to flow through him. How many know Samuel goes on to do incredible exploits? He's the last of the judges. He anoints the first king. Then he anoints the second king. Come on. It's Samuel who anoints David. He first anointed Saul. It's God that's flowing through him. And he leads the, the, the Israelites in an amazing way as the last of the judges. And becomes the kingmaker. He hears God. He's empowered by a man who doesn't hear God to hear God. But Eli's wise enough to know that's God. You need to say, speak. Watch this. There's a place where God so wants to speak, not only to you, but then through you. But God will never speak through you if you don't let him speak to you. I'm telling you, the people around you are counting on you to hear God. You've got to hear him. Six times in Revelations 2 and 3, he says, He that has an ear, let him hear. God, I want to hear you. Are you in a place... I'm going to talk to you real straight. There's a place where we position ourselves to hear God. And sometimes it has to be that we purpose to dismiss all the other distractions. Because God, I've got to hear you. You ever been, watch this, in a place of desperation, I can remember crying, God, I've got to hear you. I'm desperate to hear you. I'm so desperate to hear you. And he spoke to me, said, I've been speaking all along. I've been speaking all along. It wasn't a problem with his speaking. It was a problem with my hearing. Why? Because I had clouded my mind with so many other things. Right where Donna said earlier, fear had gripped my heart because of a situation that was rising up in my life. And I knew I needed to deal with this and I wanted to deal with it with wisdom and I didn't want anybody being hurt and there were some things that were going on around me and I knew that if I responded in a bad way, it could explode. But I knew if I didn't respond to it, it could be worse. So I needed to respond correctly and you, there's a fine line there. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And you're walking that fine line and the only way you're gonna walk that is to really hear God. God, I've got to hear you. You said, I've been speaking all along. 
Do you understand what I just said? What I got from that was this problem wouldn't have even happened if you'd have been listening to me in the first place. Then when it did, I was trying to give you correction and correction, the way to walk through it. But you were so focused on the problem that you allowed it to dominate your thought life instead of hearing me. Who knows what I'm talking about? Oh, this is good preaching now. There's a place where we've got to hear him. I just so want to encourage you, man. There's a place where God wants to speak to you. Over and over, I've got to say this. Don't let somebody else do all your hearing for you. We've almost been conditioned in the church. Matter of fact, Vicki shares. Sometimes in our life, we allow or even are expected to let somebody else hear and tell us what to do. I'm here to tell you, you have to hear. If Trisha comes to me and she says, I got a word from God, and God said, you're supposed to do this and that, and I do this and that, and it all explodes and messes up, and then I die, and I'm standing before the Lord, and the Lord says, man, you really messed up here. Why'd you do this? I'm like, what's Trisha's fault? <laughs> Boy, are you in trouble. No. God's going to look and say, it's not even about Trisha. This is me and you. Do you understand what I just said? Because we're going to project on everybody around us. Listen, this is between you and him. There's a place where you can hear God. Who knows Josh and Elise Woods that were, were part of, uh, they were here with us from Australia. Yeah. Sue got the letter. Several of you might have got the letter. I talked with Josh on the phone for a long time. Then I got an email. What's the littlest one's name? Did you read that? Where Was it Elijah that said, yeah, it's so cool. Elijah's what, three? Pro- probably. Yeah. It was Harry, wasn't it? How old's Harry? Elijah's older. Little baby. Little baby. Little, little tiny baby. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not the littlest one. <laughs> yeah, the littlest one couldn't be talking to mom yet. That'd be really good. That would be God. Okay. <laughs> that would be like, wouldn't that be amazing if you're like nine month old says, well, the Lord said. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yay, yay. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> that would be an amazing day. Like, ah, okay. That'd be so cool. Anyway, Harry's like three years old. Yeah, it is Harry. And Harry's like three years old in there. And they're praying for some people. And Harry even responds back to his mom and dad. And he said something about my people. What did he say? Thank you for doing this for my people. Came from a three-year-old. Maybe that's the voice of God. (laughs) I'm telling you. That's like totally cool. Like it gives you the will. He's just saying that. It's like. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The, the holy, yeah. Yeah, both of my hair stood up. Uh, here, and here's the deal. This is a neat day. Watch this. God's speaking in a myriad of ways. Don't wait for the thunder and the lightning and the angels and the feathers and the gold dust and the jewels and the sparklies. and Man, just keep your ear open. But I'm telling you, he's speaking in a lot of ways. Remember that we talked about a whole bunch of those things, impressions and, and just billboard signs. And, and there's so many different things that can just happen all of a sudden. God illuminates things through his word or maybe a friend's conversation. And there's so many things. And you just got to, can I say this? Give us a God awareness. If we're aware, he'll speak. I'm challenging you. As a child of his, this is identity school, right? We're talking, a lot of this is all about identity. In your identity as a child of his, keep a God awareness of his voice because I'll bet you'll see it a lot more than you realize. He's speaking. 
You just got to tune into it. Is that cool? All right, just close your eyes, bow your head for just a minute. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for an anointed ear to hear your voice. I thank you, God, that you're still speaking. I thank you, God, that when you speak, your children will be like Samuel. Speak, my Lord. Let your servant hear you. God, you're calling us to a place where we're going to hear your voice. Over and over, you said it. You said it real well. My sheep, they hear my voice. And another voice they will not follow. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to just come in an amazing way. God, I'm asking you to just come anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to be open and receptive to what you want to speak to us. God, I thank you. This is a moment where you want our ears to be opened up. God, you want our ears to hear your voice. I'm asking, God, that you would speak to us individually. God, I thank you for the moments when you speak to us as a corporate body. Over and over, we watch that, and it's an amazing day. But, God, I thank you that individually, even in the quiet place, in the secret place, you speak. Give us an ear to hear you. Give us an ear to hear you and a heart to know you. God, we want to hear your voice. I'm asking, Father, right now, give us a quickening in our spirit. Lord, that we would respond with radical obedience to what we hear you say. God, that we would exercise that over and over, that it becomes clearer, more concise, more precise, and we hear you with greater, uh, greater clarity than ever before. Take away the fuzz. Take away all the distractions, all the static on the line. Let it be gone far from us. God, that we would just hear your voice, uh, that we would be discerners of the voice of God, that when the stranger's voice even begins to speak, we would go, no, that's not God. That's the stranger's voice, uh, that we would know your voice because it reveals your purpose. We would know your voice because it reveals your love, your character, your nature over and over God give us an ear to hear your voice I'm asking father right now just place your hand upon our ears Uh, may our ears be unstopped God that we would hear you with such a clarity that there would be no doubt father I'm asking on a daily basis let us hear you let us discern the voice of God let us be quickened to your heart father that you would show us the things that we have need of and it would become so very real to us uh, that it would be a strange day when we went through half the day and we haven't heard you yet where we would go wow what's up with this what's going on and God that we would just think it's very strange that we're not hearing the voice of God because it's become the regular part of our day it would become the norm for us God let it become a normal day when we're hearing you all day long God that when the world looks on us they might even think it's strange but that's okay because you called us to be a peculiar people unto yourself God I'm asking that you would draw us in let us hear your voice let it become so very very real to us that we follow you all the way God I thank you for revelation I thank you for understanding I thank you God that you're showing us things even right now that we haven't seen before may our ears be open to your cry God teach us lead us And show us the things that you would have us to know. May our ears be open to the cries of God as you reveal your heart to us. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. Would you stand with me all over the place? I hear this real clear. Talk about hearing God and now I'm hearing God. (laughs) Wow. Here's what I want you to do. And if you're watching by way of the internet and there's somebody with you, get with somebody. I would prefer that you got with somebody that you didn't come with. Just find somebody close, but you don't have to run around real far. But we're going to pray for one another all over the place. Get with somebody. Go ahead. Come on. Just find somebody. Get with them if you can. Yeah, we're going to pray for each other. If there's somebody that doesn't have a two, make it a three. It'll work. But there's a place where we're going to get with somebody. Okay? Get with somebody, and we're going to pray with each other. Here's, Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to put your hand on their ears. I know it might seem like a weird thing, but I want you to put your hand on their ears. We're going to pray for one another all over the place. You're going to pray for one another that our ears would be open. That our ears, pray for one another right now, just releasing that. Praying for one another that your ears would be open. That we're going to hear the voice of God with a greater clarity than we ever have before. Just pray. It's the body. Just praying for the body right now. Releasing faith. Releasing faith. Praying for the body. Praying for one another. Just believing that God's going to move. Father, I thank you right now all over the place. God, our hands are upon one another's ears. We're believing that your hand is upon our ears. God, we're going to hear your voice. God, we release our brothers, we release our sisters right now to hear the voice of God with a greater clarity, a greater purpose, uh, revealing the plans, the purposes, and the, and, and the strategies of heaven. God, uh, that we would hear you, that we would hear you, that we would know you, that there's a place, God, where we would come to know you in a better way, where we know you. My sheep know my voice. Uh, God, I'm asking you, let us know your voice like we never have before. I'm asking God, give us clarity to hear, hearing the voice of God, discerning the voice of God, knowing the voice of God. God, beyond every shadow of a doubt, God, we're released to hear you, to know you, to see you, God. Father, I'm asking just come in an amazing fashion. Let the voice of God be heard by his people. Let the voice of the Lord resound to his people, God, that we would hear your voice and know you. God, I'm asking just come in an amazing fashion. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We love you. We thank you. God, come in an amazing way. God, that you would come. Let your voice be heard by your kids. God, that we would see you and know you. Father, we just bless that. We release one another right now to walk uh, in, in the understanding, God, that we're your kids. We're going to hear your voice. Let, let us respond in radical obedience every time. God, let us respond in radical obedience. Let us respond in radical obedience, responding to the voice of God, hearing the voice of God, knowing the voice of God. Father, we are preparing our hearts to know you better. Teach us what that looks like, Lord. God, let us follow you. May we respond to the voice of heaven. God, I thank you. God, we just bless that today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we welcome you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow when you come in, somebody remind me, we're going to start the class off by, with this phrase. What did you hear God speaking to you yesterday afternoon? Awesome. Ready? Next, tomorrow morning, start the class off. What did you hear God speaking to you yesterday afternoon? Here's the deal. I'm not going to look for volunteers. I'm going to pick about seven of you out. Okay? That tells me that you need to hear God this afternoon. Okay? Bless you. Thanks for coming. We'll see you tomorrow. All right? <laughs>